and welcome to Action Sports Checks on ESPN 690. Stuart Weber here, Brent Martineau, and Austin Lane will be along shortly, live and on location once again this week as they are out at Renna's Pizza in Neptune Beach. Great place to go and grab a little pie and go talk a little sports with Brent and Austin throughout the afternoon as those guys will be live at Renna's in Neptune Beach from 3 to 6 o'clock tonight. This is, of course, the week of the one-year anniversary for ESPN 690, all kind of leading up to what's really going to be a fun event coming up on Friday afternoon as we will have our first show in front of a live studio audience, and that's going to be right here at our studios and it's going to be in our performance studio. Going to be a pretty good time, right, Coos? Yeah, we're actually, like right now, Nick and I are looking at a signed Gardner Minshew jersey, which oh. will be one of the giveaways. Yeah, see it right there? Okay. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I wanted to take a photo of it, but I figured there were more pressing things to worry about right now. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be a good time for those folks who come out and uh, attend that live show from uh, 3 to 6 o'clock. Uh, of course, uh, going to be a great time and lots of giveaways. If you need tickets, by the way, good place to get those is to go see Brent Martineau at Rena's Pizza in Neptune Beach. As mentioned, that is where he is for the rest of the show today. He and Austin Lane are going to be discussing all of the big sports topics. And we'll start things off with a little bit of talk about the Hall of Fame. As uh, they've decided to fully announce the 15 members of what they're calling the Centennial Class. A little bit different now, a lot of people are wondering, oh, what's happening with all the finalists? Are they? Did they make it? Did this guy make it? Did another guy make it? Well, consider it as being like an entirely separate process from the one you normally see that inducts five members into the Pro Football Hall of Fame each and every year, which, by the way, Tony Baselli, once again, a finalist for the fourth straight year and certainly a guy that we're going to be tracking and keeping an eye on. And we'll hear some comments from him uh, leading up to that Hall of Fame announcement, we did just have a sit-down with him yesterday. Always good to get Tony Baselli's comments as uh, we get a chance to talk with him every year leading up to it. And another guy who's a finalist for the first time this year, Leroy Butler from Jacksonville, Florida. Of course, uh, played his high school ball here, went on to be a Packers great, and he's a finalist for the first time this year. So those guys are part of the modern class, the normal class, where you have 20 guys, gets whittled down further and further, and then five guys eventually get named to the Hall of Fame. So we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that. But the Centennial class coming out today, and one of the big things there is Harold Carmichael, a local guy, played at Reigns, went on to do some big things at Southern before his pro football career. Of course, a wide receiver at six foot eight, kind of an anomaly in the game, uh, but one of the best in the 1970s. Uh, playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. So this makes three straight years now that we haven't had a local player making it to the Hall of Fame. Of course, Brian Dawkins two years ago, another Reigns-slash-Eagles guy. And then last year with Champ Bailey from Charlton County High School up in Folkston. So three straight years now we've had a local guy making the Hall of Fame, Coos. I was going to... Brent had me thinking about this the other day when we were talking about uh, Derrick Henry, I believe, and they were kind of saying, where is he on the list of... And I guess he also prefaced it with just North Florida athletes. Correct. You know, we we really should make a list. The problem is there's just so many there's so many great talented people that have already come out, and you don't want to snub anybody, you know. Yeah, and when we when we say local, we mean Northeast Florida and Southeast Georgia. We we very much work in a TV slash radio market world where the people that can get our broadcasts are the people that we uh, kind of loop in. So, folks in Georgia. 
uh, yes, across the border, but mo- most definitely part of our area as far as viewing and listening goes. So three straight years now that we have had a local player making it to the Hall of Fame. Heck, uh, we could get multiple players this year if you consider Leroy Butler. All right, let's bring in Brent Martineau now. He has uh, picked up his pizza. He is at Renna's. I think he's eating a slice right now and ready to join the broadcast. Yeah. Hey, Weber, uh, good job back there. Three days in a row for you. Nice job uh, helping us out. You know, if I was eating pizza, it would be pineapple and ham. Yep. And I know uh, Austin Lane would I think be we know how I feel about that already. Angry. Yeah. You're angry uh, about angry. it. He'd yes. be angry. Uh, we're not getting as angry today. Here's the deal, uh, Weber. I've kind of figured uh, I'm now a technician. That's good. Uh, we've diagnosed the problem after three straight days of this. Okay. Well, what do we What do we come upon? It's that uh, that that card. Yeah. That, that like you go with the cell signal. Sure. That's, that's not working. It's defective. It's defective. Okay. Uh, so uh, we'll have to fix that before we hit the road to Mobile, Alabama, and the Super Bowl in Miami. Yes, please but do. Three days of that, we figured, and we thought something might be up because we had a little bit of an issue with it in the parking lot of Jags headquarters the last day of the year. So uh, now we've diagnosed the problem. So uh, I feel like a technical wizard. Uh, well, I have found very much in our business. It's. Uh, Things will go wrong. It's all about can you can you adapt enough to to make it work with what you have. And uh, luckily, we we have some extra resources and some extra skills and abilities to bring all that together and put the show on the air for the great people of Jacksonville. Yeah. So you said Harold Carmichael into the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, obviously, a great Philadelphia Eagle and Reigns High School. I mean, how I am going to? I've, I've been in meetings all day and didn't get a chance to do this yet. And I don't know if this is easily accessible, but I gotta believe we are one of the fewest cities in the in the country that can have a Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Famer, three consecutive years. Um, I guess that hails from the area, right? I, well, I guess more people would be able to do that because Champ Bailey's kind of an area guy with Southeast Georgia. So uh, I wonder how many even have that designation. Uh, it would be really tough. I mean, the South Florida area is full of so many. So many talented people. Yeah, no doubt. Dallas, but it's, I mean, Dallas, Texas, but it's all spread out. Uh, I think California is very spread out as well. But, I mean, what an amazing uh, accomplishment for these individuals, but I think also for this area of talent. And we've long said it has so much talent. And then if you can throw in uh, maybe a Tony Vaselli this year, even a Leroy Butler who's on the list and could be deserving. Wow. I mean, we could have ourselves in, in a matter of three to four to however many years a handful of pro football Hall of Famers that hail from this area. Pretty remarkable. Yeah, no doubt. And I think one of the cool things for me is I really didn't know that much about Harold Carmichael until a couple years ago. Uh, remember when the NFL had their 50th, you know, Super Bowl 50 season? Yeah. Well, they, they had a, a whole ceremony where any high school all around the country that had a former player from their school play in the Super Bowl, well, they came back and visited that school and brought a gold football, you know, that says yep. your former alum played in the Super Bowl. And Harold Carmichael was there. He was one of the four Reigns Vikings who had played in a Super Bowl in the past. Uh, he was there, of course, Brian Dawkins, uh, as well as uh, Lito Shepard. So, you know, they had the, the whole group of guys out there representing Reigns High School and, you know, sharing all these memories with the players. And Harold Carmichael was one of them. And you just see him and he's this, you know, tall monster of a figure, six foot eight, uh, one of the tallest wide receivers to ever do it, obviously. Uh, and, and I really didn't know about, too much about him before then. I'm, I'm excited that uh, hopefully we'll get a good chance to learn even more about him moving forward. Hopefully he's down in Miami, uh, down at the Super Bowl. Uh, we would love if that would happen. A good chance to catch up with him uh, because I know he, he now resides up in the Northeast after his 
playing days, took up a job with the Eagles and really had been working with them as kind of a liaison ambassador, uh, kind of like a Marcus Pollard type of role with the Jags right now. One of those type of positions where he'd been with that organization right after he retired all the way through. I think 2017 is when he retired again from uh, from that role as well. So he has stayed up there in the Northeast because, you know, he, you know, you set down some roots, you enjoy it, enjoy it up there, and and get to be a part of that organization. So it'd be great if we had a good chance to to catch up with him again and and really talk about how about Reigns High School? This is out two Hall of Famers in three years. Amazing, amazing. And you know, it was a time, and I don't know the exact uh, uh, the exact designation of this, but it was like Reigns High School had the most NFL players or alums from a certain high school at one point in time. I think it was over 20 of them that were in the league or or had been in the league. Again, I forget the designation, but you get my point. I mean, Reigns High School, very celebrated. Obviously, with a couple more state championships now, not the only one in 97. And, uh, you know, from a Duval County high school football standpoint, they a public school standpoint, they are the elite program. And uh, the three state championships back that up if you go back in history. And now you look at some of the players that played there, not only recently, but back the decades, go back and back and back. It's a really cool thing. So uh, good stuff with Harold Carmichael uh, getting in. And then uh, Austin Lane, let's bring you in, man. Uh, Luke Keekley. Yeah, man. Retired. He's going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame at some time. Without a doubt. Talk about short careers, right? Sure. And we talk about that sometime because Baselli brings that up, uh, that conversation all the time. Well, Luke Keekley had a short career, but he's also one of the premier players at his position. The accolades are unbelievable. It's like eight-time Pro Bowler, seven-time All-Pro, uh, but a little surprised by that last night. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I, kind of, I tweeted about it last night when it, when it first got announced from the Carolina Panthers' Twitter page, and when you got guys like Luke Keekley or Andrew Luck who choose to walk away, my first instinct as a former player is not to go, oh, what are the Panthers going to do now? Or, like, well, what are the Colts going to do now? Literally, my first instinct is like, Dang, good for those guys. Yeah. You know, because, and, and I, I tweeted this last night a little bit, but, you know, and I haven't got to the point, too, Brent. Like, towards the end of my career, I, I've shared it before. I, I wasn't having fun in the National you know, I, was, I, was, I wasn't having fun anymore in the National Football League. And I always made a promise to myself where if I wasn't having fun, I would walk away. Well, it's easier said than done, yeah. right? Because it's one thing to just say those words, but it's another thing to be on a team to make a lot of money to help support your family. And I guess to kind of have that cushion of a career that you've been literally pursuing since you're you know, in, in second or third grade. So it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm just going to stop whenever. It's another thing to actually do it. And for Luke Keekley to take it upon himself to be like, you know what? Whether it's my mental health, whether it's my physical health, whatever the reason is, I'm taking it upon myself to walk away from football. And this is a guy, too, who is arguably still in the prime of his career, and I got nothing but love for him. You know what I mean? Obviously, he's going to be a hard guy to replace on the personnel side, but good for him for just, you know, to take it upon himself to step aside and, and understand there's more to life than just playing football. Well, not only that, man, but, like, you stepped aside. You were frustrated with the business side of it, right? Correct. And, and your experience, especially in Chicago, and you've told us about it before, yeah. and it's fascinating. You weren't not healthy. No, I, I was, was definitely healthy. Right there. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't because you were healthy <laughs> yeah. uh, or not healthy sure. that you got out. Yeah. You know, these some of these guys are being pushed out because of concussions, because they see the writing on the wall, because of how they feel as well. So, and, and listen, in your business, and in really most people, the way they're wired, you're wired to what? Don't give up. Exactly. Don't quit. Don't stop yeah. until somebody tells you to stop. Mm-hmm. And that's especially true for an athlete. And it's not the cool thing to do to step down and away from something, especially when you're still good at it and can do it and can be a part of a roster, maybe make more Pro Bowls. So, I mean, think about all that 
that context of what goes through a mind of a player, and, and remind yourself this, that players are wired differently than you are. If you think you're competitive on the golf course or on your, your softball league or playing video games or playing Monopoly with the kids, these guys are ten times well, as competitive. So, and, and they're prideful, and there's ego involved too, and then there's the dollars and all the other things. What a tough decision to make for guys to step away. We've seen it now more and more today. We're going to talk about it. Is it a good thing players are noticing this to still have the rest of their lives? And how much have players from yesteryear taught them yeah. about that? And to go along with that, we're going to have a little conversation about advice for younger athletes because take care of your chicken, Marshawn Lynch certainly said that. But yeah. Clayus Campbell recently hinted about that, too. So there's a lot of conversations that spring from this Keekly retirement last night to some, which was a surprise. And it's like you said, NFL players, they're very prideful, right? They're, they are ego-driven. They wouldn't be in the NFL if they didn't have a kind of a big ego. But I think the most thing out of all, even out of those two characteristics, Brent, is the fact that a lot of those guys don't care about the future, right? Because you can't. You, you have to stay in the present. You have to live day by day by day. And a lot of guys don't plan for the future, whether it's with their money or whether it's just with their next career path. And I think that can be scary sometimes. You know, it's always the, the, the fear of uncertainty. It's the fear of doubt. That's what a lot of people in this world are afraid of. And, and I was one of those guys because, I mean, granted, yeah, I played football and I, and I got a degree eventually. But I'll be honest, I don't know what was next for me at the same time. So... I can't wait to talk about that a little bit and kind of reassure guys, because we got NFL players listening sometimes every once in a while, where if you think that you want to get out, then by all means get out, because I'm I'm here to tell you first and foremost that there's other things in this life, right? You you can accomplish other things besides football. It's just, it's using that mentality, it's using the tools that you were given, you know, uh, in terms of studying your playbook, in, in, in terms of being a good teammate, use those tools in everyday society, and I guarantee you will be successful. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, that's a different animal, though. And like you just said at the start of this, so much easier said than done. It is, man. Uh, to yeah. walk away. And I want to ask you a little bit more about that, that process of walking away. You were able to do it. You had to do it. And again, I mean, it's not like you were sitting there. They were giving you $5 million contracts either. You were Sean Fox story. told me I was too old in his office. That's pretty much what it came down yeah. to. <laughs> so, so the reality of it is a little bit different. Kind of like us, Stuart Weber. Uh, we got to just hang on, man. Nobody's telling us to retire, or we're not walking away. Not enough money for us, man. Yeah, no, I hope, I hope nobody <laughs> comes into our office and says, you know what, maybe you should try something else and maybe hang it up. But uh, talking about Luke Keekley, I, I found an a interview online with uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and it was kind of insightful uh, simply because of the connections there. I mean, you talk about a guy who is retiring because of concussions, uh, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. is that exact same thing. And obviously, he's very familiar with uh, you know Carolina Panthers being in NASCAR country, right in the heart of it. Obviously, Charlotte is kind of the, the main hub for all things NASCAR. And kind of gave some insight in there and, and really did commend him, like you said, uh, for, for making that decision and for you know valuing your future and knowing that there's so much more than, than this thing that everybody thinks defines you. Uh, so it, it was kind of a, some good insight there for, for me, being, you know, being able to connect the dots as a NASCAR fan and a fan of Dale Jr.'s, to, to hear him kind of to speak about that, even though he's not a Panthers fan, he's a Redskins fan. Yeah, that's a great call with uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. too. And NASCAR drivers, uh, uh, you know, kind of in their own because you see so Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson's going to get out. Carl Edwards, remember, he went from doing backflips to retirement yep. like a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. and I haven't heard from him since. You know, so it's like it, these those guys look like they could drive forever. And we have images of Dale Sr. or Richard Petty. Feels like they drove into their 60s. I know they did, but it just feels that way. Uh, so uh, it, it's a fascinating 
differentiation, differentiate, different, difference. Difference. There we go. <laughs> hey, got that. Hey, Weber, good. Help me out with differentiation, because I really wanted to say that word there. It I'm just going to cool. leave you on an island for this one. Different difference. Okay, right. uh, but anyway, <laughs> I wanted to hit that word. That would have been a good Scrabble word. You, you almost uh, sucked the landing, man. Too bad the judge is taking a point away. <laughs> it was almost an Olympic time, which I had to look up. Today, oh, I can't wait for by that. By the way, uh, so but but yeah, it's a difference between the NFL and some of these. And then of course you get the Larry Fitzgerald to the world who says True. I'm coming back for a 17th well, year. I'm gonna be honest, man. So cause I, I watched that Luke Keekley video about three or four times last night, and it, to say I was a little misty-eyed would be an understatement. You know, it was a very emotional video that he put out, and it was. Big Basically, him being 100% transparent, but it's crazy because you know what it reminded me of is listen to him talk for maybe about two minutes, just kind of peeling back the curtain a little bit. The guy sounded exactly like Puzz. Like I, the, I the, 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 the guy just sounded he's white linebacker. Exactly. No, I, that's not the no, thing. I mean, it's that just, crossed my mind. But, but no, no, and, and, and here's what I'm about to say, and I, I don't want to come across uh, as cold or anything, but like when he was given his speech, and when when, when Puzz talks about football too. They're the most passionate individuals, don't get me wrong, but it's almost like it's so ingrained in them where it kind of comes across robotic a little bit. And, and it wasn't until Luke Keekley said, like, you know what, I've always tried to do three things. You know, I've always tried to work hard and yada, 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 yada. And that's when he started to show a little bit of emotion. And it's almost like you're so predispositioned if you're Puzz or Luke Keekley because your whole life, whether it's your upbringing, your family, your coaches that you played for in college and then the NFL, like, you know, it's always ingrained in you to the point where it's almost like second nature. And then all of a sudden when you come to terms with it, you can't really comprehend it, and that's when the motion starts coming out. And I saw that at Puzz when he had his retirement um, you know, press conference, and obviously I saw it with Luke Keekley's video last night. And by the way, it is hard, okay? It's very hard for these guys. I talked to Puzz a year and a half after he stepped down, mm-hmm. and it's still hard. it was still hard for him. I, don't, I haven't talked to him in a couple months, but it was still hard. We talked to him in June. Uh, but I saw him at the facility, and man, he missed it. He missed yeah. it, and he, it's just a part of you, and that's a hard, that's a cool thing too. But how do you wrestle with that, and what do you do after? It's a, it's a conversation we always have, Stuart, and, and what we do is life after football. We ask these guys a lot about it, and to be honest, there's a lot of success stories, and there's a lot of cool things. There are also a lot of very sad stories at the end of a football or athletic career when it comes to athletes, whether it's what they've done with their money, what they've done after football or baseball or whatever else to kind of fulfill that and how do you fulfill that competitive spirit the time that it took uh, and then relate back to just normal society i mean those are things that we talk about all the time with athletes and over the years Stuart, uh, those answers have all been different yeah and it's one of those things where you, you just wish and hope there were more of those positive you know post nfl post professional sports stories where uh, you see these guys continuing to be able to make a difference but also lead a happy and and healthy life and and you see a bunch of them but you just wish there was more and more and certainly less of them getting into the media and stealing our jobs but uh, i digress austin you've been great this past year oh thanks man i appreciate it loved having you as part of our team and and doing that (laughs) well Well, to be fair i'm mostly on the radio not in front of the camera so i think you're okay there yeah Yeah, we're we're good there and by the way uh weber the other thing is most people don't sign up to just go get hit in the head again after they play football and their <laughs> this career is, is accurate, done. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, Austin has done yeah, that too, and he's still doing that uh, <laughs> with his MMA career. Uh, which, by the way, we'll start to get, get going We're, we're a starting bit, to wind up now a little bit, yeah. We'll see what's going on, but uh, looking forward to that. Yep. Uh, man, I gotta, do you believe we've been doing this for a year and change and haven't come to a fight yet? Now, you've only fought two times. I've only fought twice, yeah. But, uh, which, which is bad on my part, man. We have to like four or five times a year. So you haven't fought since what? Uh, was it March? 
No, no, Man. You, uh, no it was, was the summer, summer fight. Summer, yeah. summer fight. Summer so fight. March was so the first one. That was during players' time. I think it was August. Yeah. Right. Late, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to say it was August because it was, it August. was r- right before the season got underway. But normally so. you'd like to get like four, or five. Four or five. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Four yeah. or five. But just for whatever reason, you know, we had the, the one fall through from the opponent. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So um, yeah, it's kind of way it goes sometimes, especially like when you're fighting on the regional scene. Sure. Yeah, and in the heavyweight. And in the heavyweight division as well. That Correct. plays into it, too. Yes. All right. Hey, Weber, uh, stick around if you want. We're going to take a break. We're live at Renna's Pizza. Uh, here's the deal. We've been in meetings the last couple of days and hustling around and trying to be on the road and celebrate this one-year deal. We're going to throw a nice little party on Friday. You still have a chance to go. If you didn't register on ESPN690.com, well, that's you could still do it, but you're probably not going to get in. <laughs> so... I would say come on out to Renna's Pizza, Neptune Beach. I've got some tickets if you want to be a part of the show on Friday. Live studio audience. We've got giveaways, Gardner Minshew jersey, Bucks Magic tickets coming up. Uh, we've got all those kind of things. But you got to be in studio on Friday afternoon for the show uh, to get all that, plus free food and drinks and all the rest of it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we just got out of a planning meeting for that. So we're looking forward to it. But if you want to be a part of it, I'll give you a couple tickets. All you have to do is come to Renna's Pizza, Neptune Beach. Buy a slice as well, of course. We'll be right back, talk a little more sports about retirement, about the athlete, also about the punishment for the Red Sox and the Astros, unlike I can remember in sports. It's a very unusual thing happening in Major League Baseball, and the fallout from Mark Lamping and what he had to say yesterday continues across Jacksonville. It's all the way, ESPN 690, coming up next. For me, now is the right opportunity to, to move in a different direction and you know, there's only one way to play this game since I was a little kid is is to play fast and play physical and play strong. And at this point, I don't know if I'm able to do that anymore. And that's the part that is the most difficult is I still want to play, but I don't think it's the right decision. That's Luke Keekley emotional there and did it uh, no surprise in Luke Keekley fashion. I think some of the guys you can kind of tell that they don't want this whole parade on their way out, and he did it on through the Carolina Panthers on social media where he wasn't fielding questions, and he just did a three-minute thing. And apparently uh, the the person from uh, Carolina said it was one take, took a couple of deep breaths in between, but that was unedited. Uh, So he he knew what he wanted to say, and he said it. Uh, So Luke Keekley's career comes to an end. I I don't think uh, when guys' careers come to an end, I I don't necessarily think sadness. You know, you kind of said that. It's like, well, what about the team now? What about this? What about that? I think uh, good for them. You know, it's kind of yeah. like a coach. If a coach, Mike Malarkey just retired, and I think he's in his mid fifties. Mm-hmm. And I say good for Mike Malarkey. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. you know, wh- however you feel about Malarkey here in Jacksonville or wherever else, but he coached a long time. He played uh, at, at every level. And if if I can get a guy that says, you know what, I don't need to do this anymore. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't need this. And so many people do need it. They almost feel like they need it to survive. You know, I think Tom Coughlin needs football. You know, and even yeah. at 73 years old, is he? Where's he going to get that football thirst? Where's he going to quench that thirst? And it might be helping Matt Rule right now in Carolina, even though most of us would be like, "Hey, see you later. I'll be at the beach right down the road here <laughs> for sure, man. Atlantic Beach, Neptune Beach. Enjoy so, retirement, right?" But and that's okay. I'm not knocking that. No, I, I, I think Bobby Bowden, for years, there was this, the, the thought, and, and many coaches are like this, they all thought they were going to die right after they got done because of Bear Bryant. That's what happened to him yeah. uh, within you know weeks of, of saying goodbye to the sport. Joe Paterno, too. And, and Paterno. So, and Paterno, obviously, was a different exit uh, yeah. as we welcome back in Stuart Weber, too. But the 
so I, I think it's different. I like the guys that can say, hey, you know what, man, I'm 55. I've made a lot of money. I put a lot into this game. I'm tired. I want to spend time with my family, spend time with my wife, spend time, what, do what I want to do a little bit. That's okay. Like, it's okay. It, I feel sometimes in sports people think it's not okay. you got to go until the, 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 the gas tank says empty. Sure. And uh, I well, appreciate guys that can say, you know what, I still got a little gas left in my tank, mm-hmm. but I'm going to put some of that energy somewhere else. And listen, and you heard the motion obviously coming from Luke Keekley, and when you, if you watched the Andrew Luck press conference, you saw the motion there as well. You know, and, and there's really two schools of, of thought here, and there's really two sides of this whole retirement thing, Brent. You have people like me who someone kind of tells you you're no longer good. And, and let's be honest, that, that sucks. I mean, that's, that's not a fun conversation to have with somebody because you think, whether it's myself or somebody else in the NFL, I mean, there's been some point in an NFL player's life where someone said you're not good enough, right? There's been some point where either it's a paper, somebody in the media says that they're overrated, you're not good enough, and what do those players do? They use it as a chip on their shoulder, they get better from it, they work harder, and they prove those people wrong. All up until, you know, whether it's middle school, high school, to college, and then it gets to the pros. Well, the problem with the pros is is when, you know, you're quote-unquote not good enough anymore, that's it. There's no, well, I can go back and try to train harder, get better. No, once someone says it, you know, the writing's kind of on the wall. So that's what myself and so many players go through. On the other side, with like the Luke Keekleys, the Andrew Lux, guys that are still in their prime, to me that takes a lot more balls to walk away from the game with guys like that than it did for me. Because at the end of the day, you know what, I had the excuse. I had John Fox sit me down and said, you know what, we respect you, you're a good player, but we're going in a younger direction. I'm 27 years old having some guys say, you know what, you're too old for this game. And I'm like... Okay, I guess I still feel fantastic, man. I just got into yoga. I'm sitting in the cold tub. I'm I'm I'm, full, I'm trying to foam roll like Aaron Campman showed me. I'm getting up at five thirty in the morning to do that. But okay, I guess if I'm too old, I'm too old. And you know what? I had something in my corner to turn to after that. But like guys with like Luke Keekley and Andrew Luck, these are guys that are still in their prime. These are guys when you turn on the film from the previous season. They still got it. Yeah. You know, the, the, they can still play at an all-pro level, but they took it upon themselves to realize, you know what, there is more to life than football, whether it's family, whether it's friends, or whatever else it is, or if you're worried about your injuries, whatever the reason may be, to me, that takes the ultimate set of balls to walk away from when you know you're still on top. I think it was the tweet, though, what a great tweet, if you think about the context of it, and I forget who did it, sorry, uh, it was one of the national guys, I thought, um, but said, you know, 2020, if you had asked me, six months ago, or even at this football season, whatever it might be. But MVP of the league yeah. and defensive player of the year sure. in the league, you could say Andrew Luck and Luke Keekley, and they're both retired. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a fascinating deal. You know, most other sports people hang on too long. That's mm-hmm. it. They hang on too long. I mean, Vince Carter's been playing forever, and I think people salute that in basketball, but he's a shell of who he was. I mean, no doubt about it. Uh, there are people that wonder how long baseball players should play. I mean, the, the age-old story is Willie Mays stumbling over himself, and that's a sad moment in people's lives because they remember the great Willie, Willie Mays, mm-hmm. and he didn't get out on time. I think there's what's going on with Tom Brady right now. Yeah. Do you stay at the top of your game? Do you stay with some bullets left to fire, or do you go kind of looking a little bit like Peyton Manning when he just physically couldn't do it anymore because of some of the surgeries? Again, that's to each their own. I don't know if there is a right time or a wrong time, but there seems to be a feel-good time. And In the Keekly sense, I feel good about it because I think he has too many concussions. I think now I feel better about a 28-year-old guy 
living the rest of his life and probably has a lot to offer from a community standpoint, family standpoint, maybe a workplace standpoint in some other way, oh, shape, or form. He, he's going to be fine. I mean, one of the yeah. a cool story that I heard this morning was from Trey Wingo, and he was talking about Luke Keekley. And I guess Luke Keekley for the first four years in the NFL – didn't have cable on his television. <laughs> didn't have any satellite or cable. And the reason was he didn't want to be distracted from watching game film. So he thought if he had cable or some other you know, s- form of streaming service, it would distract him from going over his game plan and watching film. Well, what is one of Luke Keekley's biggest characteristics? Is the fact that he's in the right place at the right time nine times out of ten. Well, that's from watching film, obviously. So, yeah, Brent, I mean, if you take that work ethic, you can apply that to anything, that kind of dedication, and he's going to be fine. So I'm not worried about Luke Keekley in the future. Easier said than done, though, Stuart, too, because you still have to have a passion for what you do to put that much work in. And uh, I think that also, in my opinion, uh, also will make it tougher for him to get out of football because he's so used to putting in all those hours. What do you do to to those hours that are now vacated? Yeah. How do you fill them? You can only play so much golf. You can only do so many community events. And quite frankly, and this sounds harsh, you can only spend so much time around your family. Correct. I mean, really. Yeah. I, mean, I, yes. I was home. Listen, true story. I was home again last night. I mean, worked during the day, but we went away like Wednesday through Sunday. And then the way the calendar fell, uh, I didn't do the shows on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. I thank goodness, too, last night because I had the allergies going. <laughs> but Kaylee said to me, are you home again? Like, what are you going back to work? <laughs> like, so, I mean, seriously speaking, you can only spend so much time around the family before they're sick of you and no, you're kind of sick point. of them. So how do you fill those vacated hours? And when a guy is that passionate about it, and that entrenched in it. I think, uh, Stuart, that could be a problem for Keekley. This is going to be a tough transition for him, like it is for so many other athletes. I got a solution for him. It's called eSports. <laughs> Start playing Madden and create a second career for yourself doing that. No no worry about the physical harm. And, and by the way, the, the whole story about him not having the, uh, the cable services... Uh, because he was worried about it distracting him. Can I use that excuse, or do I just have to stick with my being cheap? How does that? Cheap is yeah, okay. where you're going. We're okay. not giving you the credit. You well, have to go run into a car ten times uh, <laughs> on Sunday afternoons before we give you that kind of credit. I think. I don't know. I don't know what you mean, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is that question of well, what in the world do I do now, kind of thing. But uh, like you said, I mean, there, there's so many different things that you can do now. I mean. You've seen a lot of players get into the media side of things, i.e. Austin Lane, or, you know, just get involved with with the community and with your team. I'm sure he will still have a very big uh, fingerprint on that Carolina Panthers organization moving forward, at least if David Tepper is, you know, any bit as intelligent as we think he is, you will keep him around and find some sort of role for him uh, moving forward so that he can still uh, make a big difference, not only on that Carolina community, but also on the guys who are still on that team. And it it was kind of one of those things where maybe things would have been a little different if Paul Pazluzny found some way to still be involved with his team after he left, because there was a lot of moments where it was like, man, I wonder what the situation would be like if if Puz was still around to, to kind of give some guidance to these guys. So, you know, when I, when I retired from the NFL, uh, I did the NFL brain and body thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I went to Harvard, and then I, I went to Boston um, Mass, basically. And what it was, it was it was a week thing. We've talked about it before on the show a little bit. But that's kind of where I got kind of tools for the transition, you know. And it, it was crazy because I was literally sitting with this gentleman sitting across from me at 
Boston Mass, and he's just he's asking me these questions. So like we're just having a conversation. Well, at the time I didn't know I was, I was actually a therapy session. I, I had no idea, dude. I've never been in therapy before, and we literally just chatted for two hours, just going back and forth, back and forth. But what he was doing, and, and I told the story before, where after we were done, he's like, man, you you need to get into you know something with the NFLPA of helping guys transition because you have it all about you. I mean, you know what you want to do. And it's not so much I know what I wanted to do, and here's what I'm going to say. There's a, cause I, listen, I have you know former teammates, I have friends who they walk away from the game, and let's be honest, they're, they're lost. You know, and you, you see them in the headlines for sometimes the wrong reasons. Um, you see them out and about, and they're like, yeah, I'm gonna maybe try something next year. I'm just kind of laying low right now. To me, the biggest thing that you know a, a former player can do to transition is to set goals for yourself. And I'm not saying, like, goals like you, you have to be, uh, you know, the boss of a Fortune 500 company. No, man, like, set a goal if you want to run a marathon, then run a marathon, yeah. dude, and do that. Set a goal where if you want to go three, three days a week to do yoga, then go three days a week to do yoga. Just set these small goals and make them bigger and bigger because th- that's what pro athletes are always conditioned to do, right? Like, we get told you got to do things this way, you got to be here, you got to be here. Well, do that. Hold yourself accountable and just set goals. And I'm telling you, if you set goals for yourself – However big or small, they're going to have a direct correlation and a positive outcome um, to the way you're living your life, and it, it can only reap benefits from there. Yeah, let me go a little deeper with you, okay, uh, on it because we're on it, so so why not stay? Sure. And we'll get to it in a moment. I want to talk a little bit more about Carolina because with their coaching moves, it sure looks like they've won the coaching carousel, Without a which doubt. is, by the way, a huge upset. There's no way I saw that happening, given their situation, given the Giants' job open, the Cowboys' job open, and heck, maybe even the Cleveland Browns' job open. I did not see it working out this way. But it sure looks like with Brady going as the OC and Rule as the head coach, and I'm not sure these guys are the next, you know, Belichick and McVay and and whoever. But it it certainly looks good on paper in the offseason. It feels like they've won it, despite a lot of other things going on, like Keekly, this whole new ownership change for Carolina. This is a full reset. For Carolina, it's almost like they're starting a new franchise. They lose one of their faces. They move, might lose their face and Cam Newton as well. We'll get into that in just a moment. But I want to stay on this for just one minute longer. And later on, we'll we'll talk more about the athlete in terms of the dollars and cents of it because I think that's a fascinating issue uh, as well that's been brought up a couple of times in the last couple of days. But okay, so you get out after a short career again. It's not like you you turned down five million dollars a year and a twenty million. <laughs> no, I was minimum deal. wage, man. You were a different. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a different deal yeah. uh, for you. you. You know, you were fighting and scratching and clawing to make rosters. Sure. Uh, but I'm sure in your mind you still said, "I'm better than some of these guys. Of I'm good enough to play in this league. I don't want to give that up just yet." Yeah, I got this MMA thing, but I can still put that on the. Mm-hmm. Can you take us a little bit through that without, I mean, listen, we, don't, we only have a two-hour show. but Take it, you into the insanity a little bit, really. Yeah, I mean, how, yeah. how almost, I can only imagine the range of emotions with that at your age of 27, I think yeah. it was, right? Yeah, 27. 27. Yeah. To say, you know what, I think I'm good enough to do this. There's a lot of money that's out there to be made if I can show somebody, just one mm-hmm. person believes in me that I am good enough to do this, make a roster, and then who knows where my career goes from there. Yeah. Um, but I'm not having much fun. I don't like this business the way it just shook out in Chicago, especially. Sure. Yeah. Uh, take us a little bit through that from a mental gymnastics, as you like to say, standpoint. Yeah, for sure. On how hard it was to finally get to the point where I'm like, not that you held a ceremony or anything. Yeah. But say, you know what, I, I'm trying to do this. I'm going to go try to get in a cage and, so, and beat people <laughs> up instead. So, so, so I'm going to be honest here. You know, um, in terms of football, Brent, like, I mean, and I think you can kind of sense it for me. I, I love the game of football. And... 
I dare someone to find, um, to just try to find, you know, someone who had as much fun as I did playing the game. You know, I mean, if you ever watched any of my practices, you ever saw me in the game, I was the guy that was jumping up and down, I was shouting because I was literally having a blast. Whether it was practice or whether it was playing on Sundays, like, that field was my playground. I was just a big-ass kid out there, to say the least. And then it started to turn where I started to see more of the business side of it, right? Because when you, well, even when you're a rookie, and maybe it's kind of a small school thing, whatever it is, but when I was a rookie, for whatever reason, I still thought, all right, you know, this is, it's going to be a team where we're going to have the brotherhood here, we're going to have the camaraderie, we're going to win games, just like high school um, and just like college. But then you start to see that there are politics involved. There are favorites. Guys are tied to coaches. Guys are tied to personnel. And guys that you share a locker with are playing for different reasons. Some for Super Bowls, some for fame, some for money. So you have different kind of egos. You have different kind of personalities. And that's something even in college that you're not really accustomed to because in college, you know, you're still all going to class together. You're still all doing these things together. Well, the NFL, it's different. And... You know, I started to see that happen when I got cut from the Jaguars. Like, I understood it. Okay, I didn't fit the scheme that well. Fantastic. I'm going to get another shot someplace else. And I was devastated when I got cut from Jacksonville. But I was excited for the new opportunity. Right? Well, then, I've shared this story before where the GM from Kansas City calls me. And I was excited. All right, Kansas City Chiefs, dude, like outside linebacker. Let's go, dude. I'm learning from Tamba Ali. I'm going to learn from Justin Houston, two of the best outside linebackers in the game. I couldn't wait to get to Kansas City. GM calls me, goes, I need you to get 30 pounds. Click. And that was it. Wasn't, hey, (laughs) welcome to the Chiefs. Uh, we're, we're both from Wisconsin. Uh, how's it going? No, it was you have to gain 30 pounds, and I literally had a couple months to do it, and you're playing, you know, a three technique. And I even had a conversation with the agent, and I'm like, a three technique? This doesn't really seem that conducive to my playing style. He's like, hey, it is what it is. It's an the, opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's an opportunity, and the Chiefs had first dibs on the waiver wire, so it was what it was. So I, I go to Kansas City. You know, didn't really do well in the three technique. I get caught and then go to Detroit, and then it goes on and on from there. But my time in Detroit was fine, but it was when I got to Chicago where the writing was on the wall, and I'll be honest, I was in a, a really bad headspace because it started to be like instead of me just having fun every single day I go out to practice, now I'm like asking questions, well, why is this guy getting more reps than me? Why isn't Coach taking time out of you know his day to help me out with the scheme? Because we had things where we watched film, and sometimes the guys on the third string, like I was, we wouldn't get coached at all. They'd be like, all right, here's second team, here's third, you know, I mean, here, here's the first team, here's the second team. Oh, we don't have time for the third string, yeah. and, and that that would make me upset. So instead of really looking inward of like, all right, how can I get better? How can I you know try to improve my stock and maybe get the coaches to notice me? I was just pointing fingers. And it didn't make me that great of a teammate, I'll be honest with you. And it obviously didn't make me that great in in terms of being coachable. Because now I was upset with the coaches. And to the point where I say it was a bad headspace, I think I've told this story before. I had a notebook, and I still have it. It's in my room, actually. And one day I can bring it in. But every single practice, whether it was training camp or OTAs or whatever it was, I would write down every single time that I felt disrespected by my defensive line coach. All right, I'm not going to name him. I'm not going to call him out. But this is the truth. I would write down every single time I felt disrespected by him. Believe me when I say I have over 100 pages of times that I felt like he disrespected wow. me. Wow. Now, that's not healthy. Okay? No, that's, 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 that, that's almost like psychotic kind of behavior. I'll be that's honest with you. That's a lot of you. film room wasted. Yeah, it is a lot of film room wasted, right? Well, instead watching of, good cable at that time. Exactly. So instead of looking at myself, I was trying to point the finger. So 
without fast forward to my, you know, my retirement, I'll be honest with you, Brent. I, I was so fed up with the game. You know, I got cut twice in one day. Um, I had an episode in Seattle. I don't think I've even told the story where I was supposed to get signed by Seattle. I'm waiting to get signed. Uh, I wait two hours in the lunchroom. Nobody comes to get me. All of a sudden, intern comes back and goes, oh, sorry, we're going to sign somebody else. So literally flew out to Seattle to get signed, talk to the gym and everything. I'm excited. My agent's pumped up. Seattle Seahawks, dude. We just yeah. boom. Like, that's good fit. That, that's the team, yeah, especially with my personality, too. Like, I couldn't wait, man. De'Anthony, uh, De'Anthony Smith was yeah, out there yeah, yeah. from the former Jaguars. Jags, uh, former Jaguars, yeah. And uh, I'm sitting in the lunchroom, man, and I'm waiting to sign my contract. And uh, I was so excited about it even because I had gotten about the call in four or five days in advance. And I don't think I've ever told this story before. I'm telling it now. I, I get the phone call with, like, four days in advance. And I took it so seriously where I actually adjusted all my clocks and everything to, eat, to, to like, the Western time, whatever, the, the Western time zone. So, like, I would go to bed, like, at 1 o'clock. My, you know, my family's going nuts because I'm doing that. And I was doing all these things to acclimate myself. So by the time I got to Seattle, I was ready to roll, man, 100 miles per hour. So I get the call, come out to Seattle, sweet, I'm ready to roll. I sit down in the lunchroom, and hour goes by, no one's coming to get me. Okay, whatever. Now, here come the teammates, you know, all the Seattle Seahawks players come to eat lunch, and it's kind of awkward, right, because you're the only guy, like, you're there sitting by yourself, and you don't know what's going on. Well, Russell Wilson recognizes me. I played against him uh, at Murray State. He's like, what, what you doing here, man? I'm like, dude, sign a contract, man. He's like, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. Like, if you need anything, let me know. So Russell Wilson was super cool. Obviously, I saw DeAnthony. They, they go to their respective meetings. I wait another hour. And just some random intern that I have no idea who he is comes to tell me, you know what, We're, we signed a fullback instead, so you can go back home. And that was it, you know. And and, and, and to Crazy. me, and to me, that was the last straw, right? Because to me, the Seattle Seahawks at that time, this was like back in 2014, they were the they were the top echelon, yeah, right? Yeah. Like they had the culture, they had the personnel, and to me, the Seattle Seahawks were like the top Fortune 500 company, right? Like they're the, they're the business that you aspire to work for. And after I saw how that business handled my situation, I was like, dude, if this is the elite of the elite, and they're just sending some intern with no, like, no, like, and at the time, they didn't tell me what was going on, but I talked to my agent after, and they're just going to send, send, tell me to go back home after I flew all out to Seattle for no reason, I don't want to be here anymore. So tell you the truth, I was so bitter and mad at the NFL that my retirement, it was easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. I've got so many questions, but real know, quick, yeah. uh, just a <laughs> yeah. quick hitter of questions uh, before we head to the timeout. Uh, do you th- is that just the way the NFL is? Like, guys come in all the time for the Jags and work out, and yeah. they probably think they're signing or maybe get signed. Is that not just a Seattle thing? Is that just an NFL thing, and that's just the way it works? Uh, it's well, an unfortunate part yeah, of it, yeah. but is that is that just the way it works? So so it's funny because I've had my conversation with my agent about this. My agent used to have Colin Kaepernick. He, he's had some pretty big NFL players. And what transpired in Chicago where I got cut by accident, and then I ended yeah, up getting yeah. cut again that same Crazy. day, Crazy. And, and what transpired in Seattle where I just sat for two hours with no, no avail, no GM coming to talk, to me and then um, some intern telling me I got to leave. Th- those are rare circumstances, are they? And, and and unfortunately, I I you know you experience I, both I experienced both of them, and even to the point where I call my agent and he's like, I know, man, it's it's not right, and I understand you probably hit the game. <laughs> All right, uh, I got this too. Uh, yeah. Kansas City, you had to. Go, they were first on the waiver, so they come get you. Yeah. Could you have denied that, and would it have been a smarter move, considering they asked you to put on that kind of weight? Say, wait, yeah. I'm not doing that. That does not work. That's not going to fit me. I'm better off waiting for somebody yeah. else to call my name. So, so looking and back on it, oh yeah, it would have been absolutely beneficial. But at the time, I was, I consider myself still a kid, Brent. I, I, yeah, I was yeah. a people pleaser, right? I just wanted to prove, well, like, oh, anything, I can do, it. I can do anything, man. I, I got the world in my hand and unfortunately that wasn't the case and it's funny you brought that up because when I was in Detroit 
um, Chris Kosarek, who's with the San Francisco 49ers, now we talk about a lot. He's like, dude, you're going to hate to hear this. I'm like, what's up? He's like, well, we put uh, our claim in for you. They, they had the third claim. They, they said they, they, we put our claim in for you, but we saw you went for Kansas City. And he's like, I didn't get the Kansas City thing, but you wanted to go there. I'm like, well, I didn't know, okay? Yeah. And he's like, you could have had a really good home here in Detroit. I'm like, well, thanks for telling me now, dude. Yeah, well, <laughs> here's the deal, man. That's a really hard thing. Think about yeah. it. If you're going to go buy a house or something like that, you know, or, or you're selling your house, do you take that first offer on your house or yeah. do you wait because something else? You People have been in those kind of situations, right? Sure. And that's a hard situation, especially when there's a half a million dollar job hanging out there for you. Absolutely. That's a really hard thing. One yeah. last thing. Yeah. If you did not go all rebel and and and, and <laughs> get mad at everybody, of course, and and make this hundred page, do yeah. you think whatever energy you could have used would have made you at all a better player, or are we, is that too dramatic? Uh, um, would, would things have turned out better if your focus was in a different stand, uh, yeah. at a different thing, maybe in Chicago? To, to, to be fair, um, I honestly don't think so. Just with the, the, with the way the roster kind of shaped out, I think I was kind of the outlier. I think I was the guy looking in. Um, but it would have made my experience a lot better because we talk to these NFL players all the time, whether it's Ryan Davis, Cecil Shorts. What is their biggest regret, they always say, is that they, they didn't get a chance to savor it. They didn't get a chance to enjoy it. And I honestly didn't get to do that with my NFL career. I was always looking on to the next day, the next day. And then by the time I actually had a chance to kind of savor it and enjoy it in Chicago, I was pissed off at everybody. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I love story time with Austin Lane, man. That takes you inside the NFL like nobody else can from a player's perspective. When we come back, we take you inside some hockey. The Jacksonville Iceman, big news. They got a game tonight as well. But the All-Star game coming to Jacksonville next on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Rennes Pizza, Neptune Beach. Come on out, say hello. If you want to win a couple of tickets, or uh, we have some. We have some tickets for Friday's one-year anniversary celebration. We got out of a meeting today uh, for that. Now, we're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. We do so many shows on the road. It's been a staple of our show, and uh, we, we've enjoyed that. I mean, I think we're up to almost 100 shows outside the, sta- uh, the studio, and we're going to be outside the studio on Friday, but actually in the station. We have this performance studio, and it's really cool. Uh, so we're going to fit you know, 50 to 100 people in there with some clients and listeners and, and people that work in the building kind of mingling around, too. Just try to make a little fun, informal uh, party. And we'll have some food, some drink, uh, giveaways. Uh, trying to order up a cake as well. Nice. Uh, maybe with your giant face on it, Austin Lane. <laughs> so, so anyway. It's going to be a big cake, then. Yeah, we... Uh, we're just trying to have some fun with it. Uh, yeah, this has been it. a fun project all along. Uh, we've had some fun. We appreciate you listening. And uh, it's gone well in year number one. We hope to make 2020 and beyond uh, even better. But a little bit of an appreciation for, for the first year uh, internally and, uh, of course, externally with all the folks that have jumped on the streams on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. Uh, we continue to have record numbers on, on the video streams. And, uh, hey, the ratings look pretty good, too, on the uh, radio side. So we appreciate you jumping on the show and, and uh, all the comments. And we do invite you to uh, uh, be a part of it. You can come by this location, Neptune Beach, in the next couple of hours. I'll give you a couple tickets uh, to the event, you and a, a guest. Uh, we have a limited number of tickets, but if you come on out and also try the fantastic pizza here at Rennes Pizza, uh, five different locations. We are at the Neptune Beach location. We initially were going to be at the Marsh Landing location, but we're at the Neptune Beach location. Uh, so come on out, say hello, have some food, take some home for dinner tonight, and uh, get a couple of tickets to Friday's event. Uh, part of our uh, uh, giveaways, our grand prize, Iceman tickets, uh, Jacksonville Giants tickets, yep. uh, Orlando Magic versus the Bucks tickets. I like that. Uh, Gardner Minshew signed jersey from Palm Beach Autographs. Uh, we put our logo on the Vita de Luis tequila, so we have that Custom to give away made, as well. Yep. 
So uh, all that, a lot of fun. Speaking of the Jacksonville Icemen and fun, they're ramping up big time now over the next couple of months with a ton of home dates. So it's the stretch run of the season at the most important time and a lot of dates in front of the home crowd down at uh, Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. And also the big announcement on Saturday that just came down, Jacksonville, Florida, the Jacksonville Icemen will host the all-star game of the ECHL in 2021, essentially a year from now in January of 2021. To uh, talk a little bit more about that, let's bring in uh, Baba Roblo from the Jacksonville Iceman, team president, of course, uh, owner as well, and uh, exciting times for the Jacksonville Iceman. Congratulations, Bob, all you guys have done on the ice, off the ice, uh, in the stands, and now this is a pretty big deal, a big milestone to get the All-Star game here in Jacksonville. Well, thanks a lot, Brent, and uh, congratulations to you guys for one year on the air. I mean, that's uh, you guys uh, have a great show, and uh, and I hope you have many, many more years. And we're all part of it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely thanks man. for being Thank a part of it, much, Bob. Man. And uh, you know, more and, welcome to stop on by on Friday if you got a couple of minutes. Just say hello. Uh, the door's open for you. I try not to miss a party, so <laughs> yeah. I like your style. <laughs> So what about this news? Hey, what about this news? How did this all come about? Uh, you know, we had, we had talked a couple months ago, and you thought this was an opportunity, a possibility. Quietly, you had said to me, uh, but here we are. The ECHL uh, loves the idea of Jacksonville being the host of the All-Star Game. Tell us a little bit more about it. What goes into it a year from now? You know, we, we've been one of the strongest teams in the league since we got here, thanks to the Jacksonville community and, and our incredible fans. And, uh, and we decided, why not Why not bring the league showcase event uh, to, to our city, to our arena? And uh, so we put a bid in for it. Uh, we got, a, we got uh, a lot of support from the city of Visit Jacksonville, um, you know, because this is, this is an event, this is a national event. Um, you know, we'll have, we'll have all of the, many of the major players from the hockey world will be here in Jacksonville uh, to gather for this event. I'm getting ready. Uh, next week I head to Wichita for this year's uh, All Star Game, but um, you know we're going to do we're going to do an incredible event here. Uh, we'll have a fan fest uh, that'll go for a couple days. Uh, there's the ECHL Hall of Fame uh, induction luncheon that'll be over at the uh, convention center, and you know we really want to turn this for for three days um, into ECHL Central here, and we're very excited about it. And and the other thing is that unlike other All Star games, this one's going to feature the Jacksonville Icemen versus the league. That's awesome! And so our wow. fans really can get behind that and support the local team and and uh, watch us play against the best players in the league. That's awesome! And Bob, kind of like you mentioned a little bit. I mean, this is kind of a thing where obviously you put a bid in, but let's be honest here: the ECHL just doesn't give an All Star game to any kind of city. So, was this more about them kind of doing their due diligence a little bit too and saying, "Wow, look at the attendance! Look at the you know the games that the Jacksonville Icemen are selling out. We want to have the All Star game here in Jacksonville." I mean, it's more of a testament to I think the hockey fans of Jacksonville than anything, correct? Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, not only the hockey fans, but all the all the fans that have come to our games uh, and become hockey fans, um, as well as our corporate partners. Uh, you know, they they see the base that we've established in Jacksonville, and they say, you know what, this is this has become one of the top three teams in the league in terms of of support. Um, let's bring the All Star game there. Um, you know, and, and then the weather helps too. I mean, last year was Toledo, this year is Wichita. You know, 
we'll, we'll trump them with no problem at all. So, you know, um, so it'll be a lot of fun. We're, we're, we're planning some outdoor activities. Uh, this will be a major event in the city of Jacksonville. Um, and, you know, uh, we, we, we hope that uh, we're going to work hard to make sure that, uh, that it goes off really well. This town knows how to throw a party. Bob Arablo, uh, president of the Jacksonville Iceman, with us. Uh, ECHL All-Star Game coming to Jacksonville 2021. One more question on that, then we'll uh, talk a little bit about your hockey team. But how, how unusual is that uh, format to have the entire team playing against the other All-Stars? And does that mean everybody gets that All-Star recognition for the Jacksonville Iceman, whoever's on the roster in 2021? Because Austin's asking. He's wondering <laughs> if he can put you, he can be an ECHL All-Star if you add him to the roster. Put that in the resume. <laughs> you know what? It's a great it's a great recruiting tool for Coach Christie over the summer. Because <laughs> yeah. that's automatically made the All-Star game. Um, you know what? It, it, it really, we, we had our, uh, the host team has the, uh, the, the way, you know, we can select the method of the game. And, you know, uh, granted, ECHL doesn't have a lot of household names in it. Um, we wanted names that were going to be familiar to our fans in Jacksonville on the ice at all times. So the best way to do that was take on the entire league. It's been done before. Uh, Colorado, uh, uh, when they were in the league, did it. Uh, and then Orlando did it a few years ago. Uh, they took on the league. And, you know, th- there's pluses and minuses. The, the pluses are that you- your guys have played together. Uh, so they know each other where the other team has one, you know, one practice before the game and that's it. Um, you know, but, but there's also the minus of you, you play every, every player you're playing against is a star. So, you know, for us, it's, uh, it, it was really about keeping, uh, giving this game back to the fans and keeping them entertained. And, uh, and we thought the best way to do that was to have players that they're familiar with and that they support so well all year long. Um, actually be on the ice at all times. Bob, uh, you know, as a kid who grew up watching hockey, I mean, with all due respect to the home run derby, with all due respect to the quarterback challenge, and even like the slam dunk competition now in the NBA, um, to me, one of the greatest things to watch is actually the NHL skills competition, right? And am am, am, am I right to assume that the ECHL is going to have some kind of skills competition too, probably to the previous night then, that fans can come out and check out as well? We don't do it the previous night. We actually do it in the All-Star game. So the game itself wow. is 15-minute periods, and then and then the intermissions are extended. Uh, so because one of the things that happens is this game is televised live on the NHL network. Um, so so what we want to do is if you have, they're only going to give you one night. So if you um, this is a way for our players to be able to showcase themselves both in-game for the All-Star game as well as in the skills competition uh, on the NHL network. So that's that, the, the league has kind of gone to that in most cases now, and uh, and I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll be doing a skills competition, um, you know, dur- during the intermission. <laughs> that's the awesome. Game. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Bob Arablo with us, uh, so, president so, of the uh, Jacksonville yeah. Iceman. Go ahead. Kind of like a two for one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's good. I think I think sometimes these events can get dragged out maybe a little bit too long. So I kind of like that. Uh, all right, let's talk about your hockey team. You got a uh, game tonight on the ice at home against uh, the first place team. Uh, 
you're sixth place right now. So you guys got to step on the gas a little bit. Uh, is there confidence that you can do that? You have 23 home games in the next 10 weeks. So 23 times you'll be on home ice. It was a backloaded schedule in terms of home ice. Uh, you got to start taking advantage of that, don't you? You definitely do, you know, um, and, and we knew that uh, the first part of the season was going to be tough because of the road games, but we also wanted to have the home games in our pocket uh, during the playoff races. And if you look at the standings today, we're only five points behind in a playoff, uh, from a playoff spot right now. So we've hung in there playing on the road as much as we have, and now with 23 games left at home, uh, you know, and, and the way our crowd responds, uh, we should, you know, we should be able to, uh, to to grab a playoff spot. Um, you know, it was very exciting last year, making the playoffs was only our second season, and uh, we want we want that energy and excitement. We want everybody growing beards again, just like last year, uh, the playoff beards. Um, you know, uh, even Mayor Curry had a beard last year. So, uh, which his wife wasn't real crazy about, by the way. Um, so you know, we we think that we can we can you know we're playing much better now. The last game we beat a team that had outscored their opponent 16 to four in the last three games, including the Florida Everblades down in Florida, and we beat them by by a, a goal in front of a near side crowd at the arena. This this week this week's tough. I mean, we got South Carolina in here. We've played them twice. We've lost to them. Uh, I think uh, I think we've lost to them twice, but only by one goal apiece. Um, you know, so that that uh, so we've been playing playing head-to-head with them, um, so we'll get a good look at them tonight. Uh, then we go to um, then we go to South Carolina on Friday night, and then come back home against the Orlando Solar Bears. And, you know, Orlando's a team that uh, that we play very well against home, at home, and, and we have some issues when we go down to the MI Center, but uh, we got them on our home ice this time. Well, you've won three out of the last four, including that big win over Brampton uh, last weekend uh, at home. Yeah, so that you was huge. That. And now see if you can get another big one tonight in front of the home fans, and then uh, you really start rolling at home. So a lot of different dates for uh, hockey fans uh, and, and casual fans to go out and see an Iceman game. It's a lot of fun. The crowds have been fantastic. People love it. So go check out the Iceman and uh, see if they can make a playoff push. Uh, this is the time of year to do it. Bob Arabo, congratulations on uh, the All-Star game. I know you've been working hard on that. Uh, you guys have done a fantastic job with the Iceman here in Jacksonville, but that will be a banner moment a year from now uh, to see that game here in the River City. Well, thanks a lot. I do have to say, if anyone wants tickets for Saturday's game, uh, go to jacksiceman.com because it, it, it will be a sellout on Saturday night, the way it's going. So, uh, so get the tickets as quickly as possible before you get shut out. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fireworks when we play the Orlando Solar Bears. Awesome. Thanks, awesome. man. Uh, appreciate thanks, your time. Guys. Good luck. We'll see you this weekend. Thanks a lot. All right. Bob Arabo from the Jacksonville Iceman. Uh, that's cool. It's cool that's stuff. That's really uh, cool, man. They've done a great job with that. Yeah. You know, And the crowds have been really good. And people... Yeah, again, I, I I always say this: you don't lo- need to love hockey. You don't even need to know all the players. It's sure. kind of like the jumbo shrimp going to the game. There, it's, it's a fun experience, family fun, uh, and you you, you kind of walk out of there and you don't really care if they won or lost. Yeah. You just had a good time uh, with the family, uh, and you can kind of go in and out at your leisure. If you want to spend an hour and a half, or you want to spend three hours, you get your choice. The Iceman, I do think the winning and losing kind of matters, like that excitement. You know, you don't want to get shut out four to nothing in the game because, well. It's not as fun. If you, yeah. if you go to overtime or you win on a late goal, man, everybody's the, – the rush is there. Yeah, and you yeah. feel good and the place is loud. So uh, hopefully the Icemen go on a little bit of a run uh, and, and get into that postseason and give it to us again uh, like they did last year. It would be 
a lot of fun. Thanks to uh, Bob for coming on. Uh, Brett Martin of Austin Lane here at Renna's Pizza, Neptune Beach on ESPN 690. Let's uh, welcome in John Bachman right now. Hey, fellas. And uh, Johnny Bachman, uh, you, you told me about you guys got a big news story you're working on, uh, a oh, made-for-TV kind of news it, story. This is, this is crazy. This is wild, and this is scary. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and we, and it's it's all unfolding in Arlington. So here's the, here's what we know so far. There was a deadly shooting in a strip mall in Arlington. The two suspects got away in a car. Uh, they were chased. They crashed the car. They got out of the car. They ran through the backyards of several houses in that area. We have exclusive surveillance video showing the men running and jumping over fences. Then they apparently... Uh, home invaded a house in that area and took a woman hostage for what she says was an hour and a half incredible then they got out of there and got into a car and took off now it gets even crazier so when all of that happened we were of course on our way to multiple scenes to try to cover the story and elizabeth pace rolled up to the scene where the car crashed and they were running through the neighborhood and as she's there the woman uh, from the the hostage situation comes out of her house and is on a wreck she's on her hands and knees she can't believe she survived this situation elizabeth walks over and and tries to console her talk to her and then eventually walked her to police officers so she could tell them her story it wow. is yeah. insane um and so that's going to be uh what we're going to spend a lot of time covering tonight on action news jacks at five on cbs 47 and fox 30 it is I don't know how else to describe it. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and that all happened uh, in the this afternoon. Of a couple hours yeah. this afternoon. Yeah. How was your afternoon? Uh, I'm stuck in meetings mostly. Trying oh. to figure out how to put this, turn this thing on, this button, and eat a pizza. Hey, I'm really <laughs> glad that you guys are um, getting things squared away with your live locations. I, I miss seeing you in the building, but you haven't been here all week. No, we we uh, we will be there tomorrow. I think uh, we were thinking about going live all week long, but uh, everything's ramping up to our big show on Friday and uh, having a little celebration. But uh, yeah, we like hitting the road, man. Not that we don't mind seeing you, but we like hitting the road. Oh, uh, that's all right. We did a little walkthrough today on this thing. On so when you come up on Friday, yeah, you have to go to a different location, but. Also, we got you a nice, comfy chair. Awesome. Yeah, you're you're going to love it, man. Oh. It's going to be like, uh, it's gonna be like the Conan O'Brien show, really. Yeah, oh, we're, cool. We're yeah. taking you to the psychiatrist. Oh, do I need to lay down <laughs> right and, and tell you all my problems? Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> Maybe we should hypnotize you. Oh, just don't make me cluck like a chicken, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's outstanding. I hope we get a good turnout. I think uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we've got a pretty good response for it. And it kind of, it's one of those deals you want to hit a sweet spot, right? You don't, yeah. hopefully somebody shows up. Yes. Yeah. But we also don't want too many people showing up. Uh, So we're kind of in a sweet spot kind of uh, party. I think it'll be a lot of fun either way. Just a little something different and hopefully a little give back to to the folks that have jumped on the show and and listened to it and been a part of it uh, for the last year. So uh, we appreciate everybody who's done that, whether they're coming Friday or not. Uh, One other thought, man. uh, Fallout from the news side of things, if any, on the Mark Lamping comments. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's it What's it been like uh, kind of in the newsroom side? We've obviously lived, we talked about two hours yesterday on our show, and a lot of it has to do with the London. That's The yeah. London thing is, a, is kind of that, uh, that's the one that grabs everybody. That's the emotional tie. And mm-hmm. the fact that Mark Lamping said, 
winning won't cure all, which we disagreed with. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we saw it in 17. Now, I don't know if it cures everything, but it sure as heck cures a lot uh, because we saw what happened in 17. But again, yeah, they took the, the tarps off. Yeah, what's the fallout on your side of things? Well, I'll be honest. Uh, we have been uh, tied up in meetings all day today, and then this thing happened. So there hasn't been a lot of uh, – I have not been a part of a lot of talk in the newsroom part of things. Uh, I know the, the, the word broke was it last night when some of this stuff came out. Um, and we had some discussion about, uh, you know, about some of those statements. But, um, yeah, the short of, the short of it is, you know, <laughs> it is a sports thing, and I think fans are, are not real happy about it. And, and have you seen on Twitter, I, I think it's a, a <laughs> there's a, there's a pseudo a fake Mark Lamping Twitter account now that's popped up that, um, is, oh, that uh, um, creating, um, quite a buzz on Twitter. That's At least I think it has thank to be you, fake. You. Thank you for uh, acknowledging my, my hard work. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Tom. Well, you've managed to get like 2,500 followers in the last 12 hours. Yes, yes, yes. Um, very successful I, so far. I, I can only assume it's fake because of some of the stuff I've seen, so I, I don't know Not for sure. But um, it, what, what, You it, know yeah. what's interesting to me on the whole uh, London especially, and that's the trigger point here is London. And, and yeah. when we, you know, if we get to a two-home game thing in London – and. Uh, what's what's interesting? I think we're getting there, by the way, in some capacity, in mm-hmm. some experimental way. For how long, I don't know, and when exactly, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, the CBA. A lot of talk because the CBA in 2021, they'd first have to go through that. So this would be when the new agreement uh, would happen. And uh, I think the Jaguars' contract with the London arrangement expires this year anyway. So what would that look like? How long would it look like? Would there be an out in there if, say, Jacksonville? Is selling the place out here in Jacksonville for mm-hmm. uh, for the next two years because they're winning football games. Would you be able to get one of those games back right. in theory? And also the other caveat we didn't really talk about this as much yesterday is in that CBA when that happens, you're looking at most likely a lot of people believe it's a done deal that we're getting 17 games mm-hmm. and three preseason games. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you go to 17 in that second London game is over there, you really don't lose the amount of games. Right. Now, now that, that's spinning it. I'm just saying you don't lose the amount of games that are currently yeah. exist here in Jacksonville. See, I guess my whole big discrepancy with the, with the 17 games, though, is how do you figure out the schedule then? Because yeah, that I don't know. Because half the team is going to have one more home game than the other half. Is it a rev share type thing? I well, don't know. I, I'm just well, saying you'd have to alternate, like Austin. You'd have to do, just like they alternate who you play. Like, you know, one, one season the Jags are playing the NFC North. The next time yeah. they're playing the NFC South, and I mean, the, I you know, that that's just it'd be rotated throughout the season, and ultimately over over time, I guess you'd figure it would it would work out. But and and to Brent's point, it would only work out to every other year. You wouldn't feel the loss of that that second London game because every other year it'd be a, an away game that you'd be playing, not a home game, if they played well, the extra. Well, nah, not necessarily. You're, you're saying they could work that out? I see what you're saying. No, I see what you guys are saying. Now. Yeah, because um, because the extra yeah, game right. is going to either well, be a home or away. You can't, you know. Yeah, that's so, a good point. So, yeah, you, so every other like year you wouldn't notice the difference, but there'd be some years where you would. Well, because there, because you'd some, have a away game, but that I extra think, game. I think, guys, there is some talk of it being a neutral site game anyway. Like oh. there's at least one of those kind of... Somebody threw that out anyway, yeah. um, you know, along the discussion of this over the last couple of years. So uh, maybe that would be it. I don't know. That's a good question. What? I don't know how they're going to do that. I, I just think I think in some way, shape, or form we are going to see it well, at two home games. I just don't know how long, yeah. when it exists, when does that finally happen. Is it next year? Is it 2021? Um, it, it's been a little surprising on this front. 
Usually we know the London teams for next year in the schedule. We haven't heard that from the NFL. That usually comes out a lot of times when the last game is played in London the previous year. You'll get word of that. Well, that hasn't happened. And so uh, something's hanging all this up. Uh, whatever the NFL, I don't know if Jacksonville's a part of that. Uh, however they're trying to figure this out, there still hasn't been much on that front. Now, the schedule comes out in April, so there's still plenty of time uh, before that part of it happens. But uh, I, I would suspect we'll hear something. Maybe it's around Super Bowl time of what's going on with the international games. They like to spread these announcements out. And the international games are usually amongst the first announcements. Then come the preseason games. Then comes the actual schedule when it comes to that. Well, here's the thing I think they have to wrestle with, and and I'm sure you've already discussed this, but the bottom line is it's a balancing act because if you take another home game away from fans here in Jacksonville, where is the... Where is the point, the the breaking point from a fan where you say, "Are you kidding me? It's not even uh, you know we get we get what that'd be uh, five games instead of or six games instead of seven home games. Uh, it's just not worth it to me as a fan to be a fan of the Jags and uh, you know I'm gonna move on. It's it's kind of like uh, or or do you say as a fan, you know what we'll take six games because it's better than no games if they move the Jags to London permanently. And so there's a balancing act there, and it goes back to what they were talking about with the Rays, and I think they still haven't really figured that out, right? Are they gonna play half their games in Tampa and half their games and was it Montreal where they were looking at yeah, doing that? Yeah, kind of ruled that out. Yeah, right now, and why? So. Because you 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 you. You, you can't really have fans in either city that way because, I mean, who's going to root for a team that's only half half there? I, I don't know. Yeah, so, John, I'm, I mean, I think to agree with you, yeah, obviously I think fans would be outraged if you did have two home games in London. I think any fan would be upset. And from my standpoint, I'm not looking at it from the fans' perspective. I'm not looking even from the, the cash and the money perspective. What I'm looking at it from the perspective is, does this put your team at a disadvantage if two of your home games are in London? And I honestly think it does. Because when, when when this London series first came out, one could argue, okay, the Jaguars had the advantage because they go there every single year and then they kind of get hit to the game a little bit, right? You know how to adapt. Sure. Well, now almost I think every single NFL team has played in London once. And what we're finding out about these games is it doesn't matter if you play there every single year or if it's every once in four years or whatever it is, the better teams usually win that game. So from my perspective of having you know your team and the Jaguars go over there for probably two weeks if it's back-to-back home games, get their families situated, you know, get get used to living over there in London, and then having to come back and probably the following next week maybe have a bar or maybe play another game, to me that puts you at a humongous disadvantage. And at the end of the day, like I said, I'm not worried about the money, and I'm not necessarily worried about the fans so much. I'm worried about can the Jags compete and win a Super Bowl. And I think if you have two games in London, you can get put behind the eight ball a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's spoken from a, a player's standpoint for sure. And I think ultimately, um, you know, the, the fans aren't going to have any say in this at all, right? I mean, that's, that's just a sad reality. Yeah, it's a, and, yeah, it's and neither point. will the players, probably. <laughs> well, they could in this new CBA. I guess, I they, yeah. Would, would, do you know if they'd have to approve that, Austin? Do they have to approve playing two games on the schedule? Would that would that be a sticking point from the NFLPA side? That, the, that's a fantastic question. I assume it would have to be okayed by the NFLPA. And I, I, I don't see how you could justify moving a team for two games over there without having the NFLPA at least have some kind of say. Uh, what I don't remember is if the NFLPA ever had to approve the initial... 
uh, international games. Like, yeah. hey, you might be subject to an international game, whether it's every year, every third year, every fourth year. I don't know if they had to approve that back in, like, 2012 yeah. when you guys were going through it. I, I, I don't remember that. Yeah, you know what? And, and I honestly have no idea with, with that question. Yeah. But it's, it's an interesting one. Hey, one but more in thing. The, yeah, I was just going to say, in the end, I mean, really, when it boils down to it, how, as a fan, though, you you know, how much how much is too much and how much is not enough? In other words, you know, can you can you stomach two games away for just at least having the Jags call Jacksonville home? And that's yeah, and I'm not you know, I don't know. Here's the thing, and nobody wants to hear it and nobody wants it put like this. But the bottom line is if the Jaguars win football games and they're in it in December and they're in it in January in the postseason, people are coming to the stadium. Mm-hmm. And it's not a problem. I don't right. care I don't care how many games you play in Tahiti. And right. people will come to a game if it means something and right. you win and you put a winning product on. Yep. Now, that's that from Mark Lamping and from the business side, they still have to figure out a way to sustain themselves through the ups and downs. And right now it's been eleven out of twelve years, at least in my existence here in Jacksonville, of downs. So they have to figure out a way, okay, if we're not good on the field, we've got to figure out this this formula. Um, does that help you win on the field? I can't answer that and say yes. I, I don't think it does. I mean Austin's got a great point. Going to London for two games, does that help you win on the field? Absolutely not. Well, That's proven that it doesn't help you win by going to play a game in another country. It doesn't help you win. You have to come from the standpoint of if you're trying to attract free agents, do you have to actually spend more money now because maybe they don't want to come to Jacksonville and play those two games in London? There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of tentacles to this, as Brent would say, where it's not just about the money, man. There's You're putting your team behind at a disadvantage, I think, and you're also hurting yourself in free agency possibly as well. Do you think that uh, players really don't want to go to London? I mean, is it that much of a pain, or is it like, is there enough? Uh, wow, that'd be kind of a fun adventure. I mean, I don't know. I think there is a little bit of a novelty to it at first. Players, but not like, when so they're much over now. there, they're okay. But yeah. I will tell you this, man: when the players that have played over there now for three years, four years, whatever it might be, even two, uh, they have. Uh, I've had these conversations with some, and it's not fun. Yeah. It's just not. It, yeah. it's, uh, it's hard to get your body ready. Yeah. And uh, there have been more than one player that said. Like my back acted up on me going over there on the flight, and I wasn't mm. sure I was even going to play. Mm. So I mean, that's kind of the that's that's real, but, and especially if you're playing midway through the season, you've got nicks and bruises. You're not even a hundred percent. I think it was less bothersome actually when the Jags played that third week of the year over there, late September. Yeah. Remember they beat the Colts, and at least you feel somewhat fresh still in the first month of the year. But then that's you could argue that if you, you stay there for two weeks straight, you you don't have to deal with some of that, right? You're well, acclimated. You, you're I mean. That will be the uh, that will be the position. I'm sure that'll I'm be sure. the selling point for it, the is team. That'll yeah. be like, hey, we do have an advantage that second game at the right. very least because we're already over here. Hey, one right. last thought. Yeah, uh, the, and we'll let you go because I know it's a busy afternoon in news. The the whole lot J stuff. Yeah. Um, the whole uh, I won't even ask about the stadium. That's a down the road thing. Although it's probably closer than down to than, than way down the road than people are even talking about. Uh, but the lot J, how how much? From what the mayor's saying, from what you're hearing from Lamping uh, in these last couple of days, it's going to happen, right? Yes, that's the plan. How's that? <laughs> Look, I'll tell you, listen, these as things, a journalist, these, as a guy well, who talks to some of this stuff, though, do you yeah. feel like it's happening? Even if there are still boxes that need to be checked, yeah. do, you th- do you see any hurdles <laughs> Look, for this to here's, here's what I'll say in, in my experience, and, and this, is, this is also apl- applicable to what we've seen just in the last couple of years here in Jacksonville. But generally speaking, they don't go down this road if they don't intend to do what they're saying they're going to do. But do those plans change, and do they often take longer than they than 
they talk about originally. Yes and yes. Uh, so, so in other words, yeah. I mean, the, the for example, the Hart Bridge ramps originally when the when the word first came out that we were going to do this, um, they they have not come down as fast as uh, originally planned. They got all the money and now they're going to come down. I believe they will come down because the money is now in the bank and that's going to happen. But um, even that is a bit of a delay, and 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 so yeah, I, some of these things need to come together, and y- you want to have tenants lined up, and all of these other things. So um, I have not heard anything that makes it sound like it's not going to happen, um, but I'm not at all surprised that it seems to be um, you know hitting a, a bit of a, a slow slow bump here right now. Yeah, I think uh, we'll see where it ends up. I think by the uh, the summer of this year, I would like to but, see something going on, or I'm not sure well, I'm going to believe it anymore. Right, right, right. But again, don't lose. I, I, I again, I'm, I'm trying to walk a fine line because I do think something's going to happen, but it it isn't surprising that it's happening a little off schedule for us. And again, we don't know what the actual real schedules are in all of this because let's be honest, we're not. You know, they, we don't always get the whole story when they come out and say we want to do this this or this but here's what i will say the landing is down the landing is gone or it's in the process of being gone and i think a lot of folks never really thought they'd see that happen so that has happened and other things have happened that other folks again maybe not saw coming and I, i i again if the ramps come down that's when I'll start really being like, okay, this, you know, the bids are in. Uh, there's a deadline either just a, just approaching or has already passed uh, for bids for crews to uh, bid on the demolition of the Hart Bridge ramps, and then work is scheduled to start very shortly on that. And and they'll want to get that mostly taken care of in time for the fall because they're gonna there's gonna be, you know. You know, it'll be disruptive to tailgating this fall with that work even still wrapping up. But if there's work done this spring on that, then you can be confident that things are moving forward, in my opinion. All right, we'll see what happens. Uh, John Bachman, Action News Jacks, joined him tonight, 5 o'clock. They've got a wild story they are tracking and have been all afternoon. Uh, I think video that you you don't want to miss. Tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30 starts at 5 o'clock. All the way until 7 o'clock, then later tonight, 10 until 11.30. I'll see you on TV tonight, too, on the sports side on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Thanks, John. All right, thanks, guys. All right, join John Bachman, Tinky Hughes, Mike Borish, and uh, I'll be a little part of that as well uh, later tonight. When we come back, did Carolina win the offseason? I mean, could you have drawn it up any better? Forget about the Luke Keekley stuff, but Rule and Brady. Man. I mean, what would you be doing if that was the case in Jacksonville right now? We'll talk about it. Next. I wouldn't be here if I'd be at the Jacks Beach Bar. <laughs> we'll talk about it on ESPN 690. By the way, the beach bars are just right around the corner. All right. We're live at Skip Beach. Jump. Renan's Pizza at Neptune Beach. Come on <laughs> by. Say hello. They're playing real good football right now. They're strong. They're well coached. Mike does a nice job with them. That running back's not a bad player. Brings it every, every snap. He's a big fella that can really move. Did it in college, does it now. Got a good offensive line, good receivers. Quarterback's playing well. You know, he's a, uh, you always like those stories when a guy didn't have as much success as he probably would have liked in one place, but comes here and has got the guys in the championship game. Their defense is playing good football. Well, that's Andy Reid, all excited about talking about the Tennessee Titans. That big fella, he brings it every game. Oh, yeah. Every snap. 
He's been doing it since college. Hey, Andy, he's been doing it since high school, buddy. <laughs> uh, that is one thing you do say about but 30-something carries about Derrick Henry, and it doesn't it doesn't drop, really. I mean, it's still – he's like running into a brick wall. Uh, it, what's funny to me to see this, and you see it sometimes in the NFL, but you don't see it with this kind of consistency. When you get a back, like over the years, we've had backs like this, Eddie George, or I mean, go all the way back to the day of Earl Campbell, right? Sure. Or uh, even for a Larry bit, Zonko. Kansas City, Christian Okoye, sure. right? Where he was just this load of a man. Yeah. And what you see is you see at the end of a tackle, you see like these 220 pound safeties, 250 pound linebackers, all doing this, like falling back. Onto the turf, onto their keister. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, my goodness. I mean, and meanwhile, the running back there in that scenario is falling forward. It might be a two-yard gain, but it turns into a three- or four-yard gain. All these other people are just going back, even when they make the tackle. Yeah. And to me, that illustrates just how tough of a guy to bring down is. And watch the game this week with Derrick Henry, or go back and watch the last two weeks and, and beyond, really, with Derrick Henry. And you can count how many guys are falling backwards as they try to tackle him. And what that shows me is it's not that fun to go into this violent car crash every play for 60 plays on an afternoon or evening in the NFL, well, that guy makes it a lot less fun. And he wears you down, and he doesn't seem to get worn down. That's the other part of it. Well, it isn't. I think it's like the laws of physics, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm taking it from my high school class, shout out to Mr. Anderson. <laughs> but um, any any object in motion stays in motion. Yeah, there you and go. Nice. When it, hey, whenever Derrick Henry's in motion, he stays in motion. And you're absolutely right, Brent. And the only guy that I could really compare him to that I went up against, like you could say Peyton Hillis. But to be fair, and I get it, Peyton Hillis had the Madden cover. But I'll be honest with you, I wasn't overly impressed like by saying when we tackle him, like, oh wow, this guy like can leave a thud. But 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 the dude I always and I I think I compared him to a little bit before is Brandon Jacobs and a guy you probably know a little bit about yeah. from from the New York Giants yeah Brandon Jacobs is a good cop and, and I'll never forget this because Brandon Jacobs around the circles was known as kind of like this passive guy like he was never really like I mean he was obviously a big specimen and a guy that big should not be that fast but he was never like known the guy that was trying to intending to hurt you right. Well, I'll never forget, I think it was my second year in Jacksonville. We're playing at New York, and Potro said something to Brandon Jacobs. And all of a sudden, you saw like a, like just a, a light switch go off in Brandon Jacobs' head. And I'm not going to repeat what he said, obviously, but it was to the point of, oh, okay, is that how it's going to be? Check this out. And I'll never forget the very next play, Brandon Jacobs ran with the most cruelest, baddest intentions of all time, and... I was on a pirate technique, so what that meant was I was in, you know, the outside of the tackle. Well, I had to step inside the tackle. It's a good play when it works, and guess what? It worked where the tackle didn't see it coming, and I'm wide open in the B-gap, and here's Brandon Jacobs coming right to me. Now, usually what I would do, Brandon, is I would lower my shoulder. I would try to, you know, like the coaches teach you, wrap him up in the waist and just wrap and drive. I made a business decision that day, and I said I could try to wrap up, He's coming at me pretty fast right now. Mind you, this is like a split second. I'm going through this in my head, by the way. So I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to do something that coaches don't really teach you to do, but it works sometimes, and I speared him. So what I did literally was I lowered my helmet right into his thigh board, and thankfully it got him down because I was not going to tap him in the waist and hopefully get up to his shoulders because that guy that day was running with, like, like I said, the most worst intentions of all time. Wow, that's wild. That's it. Yeah. It's it, it, that's what you, by the way, that's one play. You got to do that yeah. on this guy 50, 60 times. Well, I mean, really 30 times probably. Sure. But uh, that, that's what people don't understand too, bro, with Derrick Henry. It's like, oh, if, if you're Jalen Ramsey, if you're a corner, go tackle him. 
Yeah, uh, uh, of course, in a perfect world, if you're playing Madden, sure, go hit that L3 button and go tackle Derrick Henry. It's easy. But you got to remember, if you're on defense and you've got a full speed ahead Derrick Henry running at you, you know, 200 pounds plus running at you, well, yeah, you can try to tackle him. But first of all, you have to gather yourself. Second of all, you have to make the proper line, to, you know, where to put your shoulder pad. There's things that go into tackling. It's not just bam, bam, and you're down. No, man, like you have to gather yourself and everything. And the key word is when you do gather yourself, well, that takes a little bit of your momentum away. Yeah, yeah. That takes a little bit of the power away. And guess what? Derrick Henry has momentum and power in spades. So I don't blame guys, honestly, for taking business decisions every once in a while. It's interesting. You know, we think of guys like Lamar Jackson, Barry Sanders, is making defenders look silly. Sure. It's amazing how much Derrick Henry has made guys look silly Yeah. Uh, so far in his career and the last couple of years, and especially in the Jaguars games. But he did it again in Baltimore now uh, the other day. And Earl Thomas, uh, you know, he put him in that, that same kind of highlight real play yeah. uh, with the stiff arm. All right, a couple of things. I want to get to a bunch of things in a short amount of time here, so we'll, we'll rapid fire. Uh, I, I've, we've, I've teased it here a couple of times. Carolina feels like they won the coaching carousel. Matt Rule, uh, Brady from o, the OC from, uh, well, really kind of like the secondary OC, if you will, yeah. from LSU, 30-year-old guy. That group goes together. Keep in mind now, the thing about Rule is he got a seven-year deal. Mm-hmm. Like I think that got him to Carolina. I, I, you know, if you've listened to the show these last week and a half, even a couple of weeks, I believe, I, I should say I hope, Shad Khan did some due diligence here along the way and said, reached out to Mike McCarthy, reached out to Matt Rule's representation, said, hey, what would they think about the possibility? And my guess is they didn't get a full positive report. You add that into the Giants' job being open, the Cowboys' job being open, and I believe part of the reasoning for Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell staying is I'm not sure the Jags were going to get their guy. Were they going to go get Joe Judge? And how many people would be happy with Joe Judge right now in Jacksonville? I don't know. But I'm saying if I had a list of three, I'm not sure the Jaguars would get their top three. That's my belief. I don't know that. But I'm thinking that's how this works. You at least vet it out. You know you might have an opening. You've got to at least start checking things. And you can do some of that behind the scenes. One, because Matt Rule's in college. And two, because McCarthy was a free agent. He he didn't have a job, so you could at least investigate those two opportunities. Yeah, I, I you buy see, it. No, I, I, I mean, not I don't really. buy, I'm, I'm not buying it. You shouldn't be selling it, Brent. No, because I see where you're coming from, Brent. But at the same time, once again, the Carolina Panthers. What, what do the Carolina Panthers have to offer that the Jaguars don't? Right? The, the quarterbacks. I'd give the advantage to the Jaguars. Yeah. Draft capital. Guess what? Advantage Jaguars. So what are the Carolina Panthers bringing on the table? Seven-year deal, though, is my point. Uh, so what did they the have to thing. offer? They gave Matt Rule to get him so, out of there. They said, hey, dude. We're not giving you two years. You're not out like the Cal- Cleveland Browns. Screw that job, man. Sure, they, okay. they turn over coaches every ten year, every a year, okay. the last decade. You know, you don't have to deal with Jerry. But, this is your world right here. And the Giants just fired guys two years, two years. We're giving you seven years to figure this out, which means we'll probably give you four years to figure it out. But we're, I don't think the Jags were going to give a coach seven years. But, Brent, but here's the point, though. We'll, we talk about an owner in Shad Khan who's very ambitious, who wants to see results right away. Now, one could say he's been patient in the coaching thing, but every one of his other businesses, he seems to kind of have that fast-forward type of thinking. Well, 
to pay Matt Rule that much money, it doesn't count against your salary cap. Literally, it just comes out of you know some people's pockets. So if you wanted to be that forward-thinking kind of you know scenario, then why not give Matt Rule that kind of gig? Why not offer him that seven-year deal if you're Shad Khan and be like, you know what? Let's let's make a game changer right now. Here's seven years. Do what you got to do, and let's get this thing started. I think similar to what they did in 2017, where they had guys like Josh McDaniels, at least is my belief, come in and be like, hey, we need to blow this thing up. And maybe McDaniels was right. Maybe they need to blow things up. Well, maybe the Jags were right. They stuck with they went Coughlin Marone and they won in 17. So it obviously didn't need to be blown up. They went to the AFC Championship game. I don't know where Shad Khan's mind is on all that. Does he think if you have that rule and you give him seven years and he wants to create his culture and do all those things, that means we're rebuilding this thing again. That means we rip it down the way it is because rule doesn't like the way things are set up. Are you willing to go there? I'm not saying you shouldn't be willing to go there. I'm just thinking maybe he wasn't willing to go there. And the seven years to me says Carolina was willing. I just told you earlier in the show, Carolina's hit the reset button. They might not have Cam Newton. They now don't have Luke Keekley. They have new ownership. So they have the ability to be a little bit more patient at this time, maybe than Shad Khan wants to be patient, believe it or not. <laughs> and I see what you're saying. And granted, the, the comparison I'm about to make is, is a comparison of college football and the pros, and it is different. But look at what Matt Rule did at Baylor. Okay, he, he didn't have time to kind of do things his way, kind of bring his guys in. He took what he was given at Baylor, which wasn't a lot, coming out of some, you know, kind of nightmarish scenarios, especially off the field. He comes into Baylor, and he turns that program around in one year. One year. Who's to say he couldn't do that in the NFL as yeah. well? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all I'm saying is Carolina seems, has, has seemingly won it. They've they won have. the offseason by I, their highest. I would absolutely agree with and you. And it obviously doesn't sit well with the Jags fan base, too, because of the things you're saying. I've got to believe, got to believe, that they did their due diligence and said, you know what, we probably weren't going to get Matt Rule. That wasn't going to be a fit. For whatever reason, it's a better fit in Carolina. And they figured out a way to even keep him away from an interview with the New York Giants, mm-hmm. believe it or not. So uh, there's that part of it. Have we ever seen anything like Major League Baseball? Just happened. We, we sp- talked about this a little bit yesterday. But now that Alex Cora got fired, yeah. you're talking about the two World Series managers fired by Major League Baseball. Boy, I tell you what, they said, you are not doing this in the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, they didn't take this kind of stance against steroids. Honestly, the, the, they the, did not even come close to this kind of stance. The against only thing steroids. it compares to, to me personally, would be Lance Armstrong um, oh, getting call. caught cheating and also the, the Russian. Uh, the national teams for the Olympics, where they all got banned. I'm so those are two that stand out to me. You know, yeah. to me, Pete Rose is just a different category than Pete Rose. It's totally it's a little category. Reggie Bush-esque. Eh, not really. It feels yeah. different. It's huge. Talk a little bit more about that. And then some of the Jags fallout from uh, the last couple of days on the way on ESPN 690. Live from Redis Pizza, Neptune Beach. Come on out and say hello. We'll give you some tickets to Friday's big party. This is actually good for baseball. Baseball's in the national news. You would say, yeah, but not for this. That's right, not for this were baseball to have mishandled the situation. But if you look at the at how quickly the reaction came down and how harsh it was, I've heard a lot of people talk about it wasn't harsh enough. People have baseball on the brain, and even though, well, that they, you know, these teams were cheating, it's a bad thing, but they're looking at the response and thinking, okay, I'm thinking about baseball, and I see. They're not playing games in the major leagues. You mess around, it's going to come fast, and it's going to be harsh. That's Max Kellerman, first take, ESPN. On Major League Baseball, handing down these punishments. Uh, it, it's, 
you know, the more and more you think about it, I think these days when people get in trouble, teams get in trouble, cheating kind of things, it almost is, it, you know what's come to me? It's, it's like it's a, it's like it's a scandal in college football or college basketball. You know? It, it, it's like, okay, I'm used to it, whatever. You know, and yeah. I think most scandals now kind of sit that way with me. It's weird. It's like, hey, people cheat in sports where there's millions of dollars on the line? Shocking. But, like it does, but of course, yeah. You know, it's you, like you're expecting it to happen. We've been around this, so it doesn't make it right. No, and and probably it it olays it a little bit to me, and maybe probably should talk about it more. Mm-hmm. But this one gets my attention. It, it's not because, by the way, it's not even because I'm a Red Sox fan. The Alex Cora stuff. I'm actually more surprised at the Houston element of this. And now Carlos Beltran, who was a player in Houston, now is the manager of the Mets. He may even have some trouble headed his way before even managing a game for the New York Mets. Mm -hmm. So the ramifications, I don't think in a sport that I have always criticized Major League Baseball for enabling and allowing the steroid era to happen and looking the other way because they no doubt knew what was going on. They absolutely knew what was going on. For a sport that, by the way, I love baseball. I love Major League Baseball. For a sport that over the years has changed and lost some of the traditionalists, whether it's replay and now wants to go to electronic strike zone. And, and what did they do to the baseballs last year to create all these home runs? Again, yeah. Major League Baseball fabricating, in my opinion, some of the numbers and some of the way the game is played, mm-hmm. which I don't always like and appreciate either. For them to come down this hard in this situation, what transpired... You know, there was a, a tone of it back in 2017, the whole Apple Watch stuff that people were they were getting from the dugout and technology. And I was kind of like, yeah, well, that makes sense. People are going to bend the rules until there's a rule in place. Of course. And that's technology, and everybody's going to catch up. But since the World Series, like a couple of days later or during that World Series run, I think it was, when this stuff started to come out to right now to get to this point, where the GM of the Astros who built that fantastic team or helped build it, to A.J. Hinch, who obviously has proven himself to be a very good manager and won a World Series and and almost had this dynastic run a little bit yeah. to Houston over the last few years. And now to Alex Cora, who won in 2018 and, and looked like a brilliant manager and, and pushed all the right buttons in 2018. Yeah, they had a very good team to, to top it out. To see those two guys out of baseball, fired by those respective teams, less than two years after winning World Series for each of them, and now what that, that scar and label might mean to them going forward. And also, I feel like it's a personality thing. You know, like Jose Canseco getting popped for steroids, Barry Bonds getting popped for steroids or the association, that didn't surprise you. Barry Bonds to Mark most people McGuire. was a jerk. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Barry, Mark McGuire's a little bit different, and the Sammy Sosa thing was a little bit different because you almost wanted to put your arms around that whole thing. But yeah. Jose Canseco has always come off as this guy, like, no, for, well, yeah. shocking. <laughs> you know? Follow him on Twitter for a second. But, yeah, but even that element of it, like, you know, if, if Antonio Brown gets in trouble, nobody's surprised. Correct. He looks like a loose cannon right now. Yeah. Now, if something happens with Dak Prescott. That's a different animal. It's like, well, I didn't Wilson, expect that yeah, out of Russell Wilson or yeah. Dak Prescott. I kind of feel that way with managers. And I don't really have a manager in mind where I say, well, that guy's a bad dude or he looks like a bad dude. But I'm telling you, these guys are about as clean cut and come across as classy as there is, A.J. Hinch and, yeah. and Cora. And now they are the poster child for this cheating scandal yeah. in, in Major League Baseball and all these ramifications. 
so it's got my attention big time because it's so unique and different. I, I, baseball has been littered with scandal from Shoeless Joe Jackson to Pete Rose to the steroid era to, to now this. Sports has been littered with scandal. It has. But it's very unique to get this kind of punishment. I mean, think about it in this way. Uh, somebody brought up a great one, by the way, and they, ha- they are right on this. Bounty Gate. Bounty Gate, I think, is the closest to this. Where it said, okay, well, somebody gave out bounties. Uh, Greg Williams. Yeah. Uh, it was Greg Williams, right? Correct. So Greg Williams part of it. Okay, he's going to get in trouble. No, no. Sean Payton got in trouble. Sure. Bounced from the league for a year. That was a big deal. Yep. Like when Greg Williams was associated with it, it was like, all right, well, he's going to get in trouble. But no surprises. He comes off as kind of a, you know what, anyway. Yeah. Sean Payton. Whoa. Sean Payton barred from the NFL for a year? Holy cow. Now, the only thing different there is that the Saints stuck stuck by him, Correct. and he came back to coach a football team. I think that might be the closest one. Bounty Gate, that sounded like, to the outside and just being a casual sports fan, you'd be like, well, okay, I mean, surprise, surprise, that happens in the NFL. Guys are getting paid to hit people harder. Shocking. I mean, it's barbaric. It's a barbaric sure. sport. Yeah. But to then see the punishment that was laid down for something like that, to stop it right in its tracks... I think was a little jarring, and I'd say that's probably the most comparable thing I can find to what's going on in Major League Baseball. And by the way, thanks for that tweet, because that was somebody last night when I asked this question. They tweeted that, and I thought that was the best response I got. So it's a good call of Bounty Gate, yeah. And to you know to sit here and say, like, are you really surprised how it went down? Yes, I think you know the, the punishment, obviously, of, of being out a year at baseball and eventually them losing their jobs, that's huge. But at the, at the same time, whether you're Sean Payton, whether you're, you, you, you're the managers from the Houston Astros, this happened on your watch, okay? And to me, it doesn't matter, well, how, how much were you in on it? Was this your idea? Did you not really know what was going on? To me, that's just an excuse. Because at the end of the day, it happened on your watch. You literally cheated the game of baseball to try to help yourself win games. Now, yeah, I get it. There's cheating all the time in baseball, right? There's, there's, there's some unwritten rules and things of that nature. But I'm talking about where you're calling out what pitches are coming to your batters. That is a direct advantage, okay? And that had a trickle-down effect, obviously, in what happened to the Astros in 2017, where they won the World Series. So I'm not surprised at all, to tell you the truth, just like I wasn't really surprised when Sean Payton got suspended for a year because whether you had 100% in on it, or you're maybe 50%, whatever it is, it happened on your watch. And, and the part of the job of being a head coach, obviously, it's getting you guys ready to play. It's establishing the culture. But it's also taking responsibility when the stuff hits the fan. And the stuff hit the fan with New Orleans, and the stuff definitely hit the fan in Houston. And now you got to suffer the consequences, man. That's just how it works. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, the, the consequences of that will be vast. What's interesting is... Even without A.J. Hinch, I think the odds came out yesterday, and the, the Astros are the second storylines, Brent. Favorite to win. Got to love those storylines now, right? So, because their their baseball team's really good. They are? What, what I can't, do you think uh, somebody came out, I forget who it was, somebody said they should, maybe it was C.C. Sabathia, said they should vacate the World Series. Does that yeah. do anything for no. you? Do you think that should happen? Well, like, uh, we talked about I'm, this a bit. Like I still believe Reggie Bush won the Heisman Trophy. He was unbelievable. Sure. Uh, whether he cheated and all that other stuff to go along with it. You know what? To me, it didn't have anything to do with on the field. It's the same reason I feel like Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, he cheated the game. It should be in his Hall of Fame plaque and all that stuff. But he was he had the most hits ever. Well, and, he should and, and be in the Hall of to Fame. To be fair, he, he bet on baseball. Okay? Now, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, there's, there's a difference, to me at least, from betting on baseball, having 
confidence in your team winning a ball game as opposed to cheating wholeheartedly to try to win a ball game by calling you know what kind of pitches are coming your way. And to get to the point of should well, the only bad side stop you there yeah. is if you're betting on your own team. Well, then sometimes you can bet against them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, so. there's that too. I, I got you. But, but well, let's see, did he ever throw a game though, or was it more? I mean, he, how can you tell? Yeah, how can right? you tell? Every that's time they lost, yeah. could you question a manager's yeah. decision okay. or a yep. player's whatever? Yeah. Yes. That's, that's so, a good point. Listen, he he should be in the Hall of Fame though because of what he did on a baseball field. Thought, that's my point. So so really, the question is, should they vacate? Does it do yeah. anything? Does it make anybody feel better? You don't then anoint the person that was runner-up. You don't anoint the Dodgers World Series champs for two years in a row. No, I mean, I, I think if you were to do it, then you just vacate it. But here's the thing, though, I'm gonna remember it. You're going to remember it, and and to a lot of people, that's all that matters, right? Like, just because I can't go on Wikipedia and see, oh, who won in, you know, back then, no, it doesn't matter. But at the same time, I think more than any other sport, Brent, I think baseball prides itself on statistics, and it prides itself on history. And I think that if you were to, you know, try to vacate that World Series title, I think, it, I think there is grounds for that. Now, once again... I'm not going to forget about it. I'm sure that the players in that team aren't going to forget about it. I'm sure they probably still have to keep their rings or whatever. I mean, that's yeah. fine. But, so. but, yeah, exactly. But I think from a standpoint of if you really want to hit a team where it hurts, then, yes, absolutely. Erase them from the record books because that's what baseball is built on. Yeah. Uh, interesting um, uh, look at it. You said it the other day, by the way, should have an asterisk. I think it should have an asterisk. That's fine. I'm okay with the asterisk. Remember it. Okay? Yeah. Like, Baseball and, and history and numbers and all that stuff and sports in general, but baseball especially, you just said it, it, it holds a special place. Well, document it then. That's fine. That's my whole contention with putting these guys in from the steroid era. They should be in there. And you know what else they should? Is they should have a steroid wing. Sure. You were well, in this era. You were associated with it. Someone may have been proven to have taken it. But you were in this era where, where the, the numbers ballooned. And so... But, again, when I went to Cooperstown a couple of years ago and took my kids, I should be able to show my kids that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are some of the greats. Yeah. And this is what they did, but they were still some of the greats to ever play it. You make your own opinion from there, but that's what history tells us. That's what the museum is all about. That's what, uh, you know, Cooperstown to me and baseball is all about. And we're not doing that because we're just saying, nah, you don't belong in. Well, heck yeah, we all know Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and others, but Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens belong in the Hall of Fame. Sure. There's not a person down the road here you could say that doesn't, they are worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, and to me, it's like the Lance Armstrong effect, Brent, right? Because Lance Armstrong, I, I grew up with Lance Armstrong. Nothing's going to ever say, well, he wasn't a legit bike rider. I mean, the dude won how many Tour de France's he had him taken away from him. That's fine. You can go ahead and take the titles. You can go ahead and put an asterisk next to his name. But at the end of the day, when you go look back on history, you're going to see, well, the guys that finished top ten in those Tour de France's, guess what? They're all juicing, okay? So to me, he was trying to get a level playing field. And to me, he's still one of the greatest, if not probably the greatest, because it's the only guy I really know from bike riding. Um, but he's one of the greatest cyclists of all time, regardless of if he has those Tour de France's uh, championships or not. So... I absolutely agree with you, you know, and with the Houston Astros, I honestly, I have no problem if you take that World Series away, because at the end of the day, this is this is a groundbreaking thing with what they do with the managers, and if you want to keep on continuing to be groundbreaking, then take the World Series away and say, you know what, we're MLB, yes, maybe the ratings have gone down a little bit, but we're not going to stand for this type of behavior, and then so be it. I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. But just keep in mind, though, just because you take something away doesn't mean people don't forget about it. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, so a big story around sports world with that uh, 
Uh, the other big story is uh, Luke Keekley retiring, and it got us thinking about professional athletes and retirement and early retirement and what these guys do with their money. And, uh, well, we do have a former player on the show every <laughs> single day, so I want to know what... Talk about some of my money I want to know what Austin Lane's bank account looks like. Talk about some that of my money management. It's <laughs> coming up. <laughs> Before we do all that, let's hit the happy hour horn. Kuz, you got it ready here on a Wednesday edition of Action Sports Jacks Live from Renna's Pizza. Happy hour, by the way, here, two for one. Tip your star tenders. Ah, very good. And by the way, come out here. Uh, Renna's Pizza, happy hour, Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. until 5 p.m. House wine, draft beer, two for one. So come on out to uh, Renna's Pizza. Five different locations worth the Neptune Beach location. Uh, and uh, say hello to us. We'll be here until 6, but uh, 2 to 5, happy hour, Monday through Friday. So uh, not a bad stop right here by the beach or any of the uh, five locations for Renna's Pizza. Brett Martino, Austin Lane, the big story in the sports world amongst the cheating of the uh, Red Sox and the Astros. Luke Keekley retiring. Larry Fitzgerald coming back for a 17th Doing year. Doing the, the guy's a machine, thing, man. Right? Well, him and Frank Gore seem like just absolute monsters. And you got to love the fact that uh, Fitzgerald says, you know, I know this is a rebuild. Like, I know we're building, but I like this football team and I want to be a part of it. And he's done that several times now. I think that's so many people at the end of their career, and I don't mind them say, "Hey, I'll pay, play for a dollar, but I want to go with." Or, or just like a, a player, like the top, like when he was back in his prime, like the player at his top position, wanting to go someplace else. I mean, how many quarterbacks have thrown to Larry Fitzgerald yeah, in his lot. career? You a know, lot. I mean, he he's seen so many come and go, including it, Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, exactly, including Blaine. That's all. Hey. Say no more, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, just for him to kind of just say, you know what, I'm, I'm good here. I don't need to go anywhere else. I mean, it's he's the definition of a professional and the definition of class. I, I said this for a long time. You know, uh, if you think of some of the players that have gone through the Arizona football organization, they have some of the classiest players that people will talk about of all time. Yeah. Larry Fitzgerald, we know Calais Campbell, who hailed from there as well, and also a guy like Carson Palmer, people speak volumes about. You yeah. know, so they, they, they say the guy's awesome. And I, I think it doesn't stop there. I think Patrick Peterson, I know he got kind of hit for the, the PED thing this yeah, year. Yeah, he did. But still, people say Patrick Peterson, all-world guy, all-world teammate, pro. Honey pro. Badger, I think, who's come through there. Remember, he had a lot of problems at LSU. He did. He kind of got straightened out a little bit. He kind of got straightened out a little bit, and now he's still playing in the league, man. It's... it's it, I don't know if anybody's ever done a story on it or what, but it's fascinating to me just how they've had so many good pros. And at one time or another, they were kind of all there at the same time. Sure. Uh, I think there was a small period where they were all there at the same time. So it's well, – I don't know if that happens in organizations. I mean, with the Patriots, could you say that about a lot of guys? Probably. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I think you could. Yeah, you probably could, in fact. But they've also had the Aaron Hernandez's of the world and everybody well, else. And, and listen, when we're talking about guys, you know, just who have stayed loyal and have never really complained, I mean, the one guy that stands out to me really right on Larry Fitzgerald's level is a guy that I got to kind of sit and talk to a little bit at a bar in Indianapolis during Super Bowl weekend, and then that's Joe Thomas. Yeah. Jo- Joe Thomas, one of the best left tackles to ever do it. Think about all the crap that that guy had to go through. Think about how many quarterbacks that guy had to go through. And the only constant thing about that Cleveland Browns organization, right, the factory of sadness, was the consistent play, was the all-pro play of Joe Thomas. Yeah, and, and you know what? Think about how many times when you're in those positions, and we've seen guys in Jacksonville, whether it's Paul Puzlesny or somebody like that, say, yeah. all right, this is it. It's turning. I feel it. It feels better. It feels good. And then, boom, yeah. nothing. I mean, Joe Thomas felt that his whole career. Yeah. Players here in Jacksonville, Mercedes Lewis, felt mm-hmm. like that his whole career. Good for Mercedes Lewis getting a chance to play in that championship oh, yeah. game again. Now twice in the last three years for him, one with the Jags and one with Green Bay. So you, you feel good for players like that. But, I mean, they are pros, pros. And we hear about the headline guy, the Antonio Browns of the world that want to steal all the sure, headlines sure. And, and all this stuff. But then there's these guys that make up the league. Really. And so it brings us to this other part of the conversation. Keekley's retiring. Yep. You know, the message that these guys send down. You know, Marshawn Lynch, I think, comes down to the everyday guy as being this aloof, kind of not-so-nice guy. I don't want to talk to the media, so we don't really know Marshawn Lynch. He's a tough, bruising back. Yes. Uh, he's not like this clean-spoken guy, you know, looking up there in a suit. <laughs> no, so, for sure. He's, know, he's very real, some would say. He's about as authentic and, yeah. and, and raw as you can get. Correct. Yet he comes out, and his message, we talked about this Monday yeah. after the game, was, hey, young players, hey, young athletes, take yeah. care of your chicken, which means I've, I've now learned, take care of your money. Correct. <laughs> take care of your mentals. Yeah. Means Make sure you get it right. Make I sure mean, your mind's right. Ironically, Keekley, yeah, a couple of days later, retires. But So he has that message. There was also a recent article, and I don't even know how long ago this article came out, but I saw it pop up in my timeline in the last couple of days of Calais Campbell yeah. uh, mentioning that he advises young guys to save 80% of their dollars sure. uh, and and just use 20%. Hey, I know you want to take care of the family. I know you want to buy a car. You can still do those things with 20% of your money. Mm-hmm. What's the one piece of advice you remember, or do you remember? Did players like that give you advice when yeah. you first got to Jacksonville? Was it the rookie symposium? Well, yeah. Was it your agent? Was it a coach? <laughs> How does it work in the NFL to say, hey, hey, kid, you got a ton of money, more than you ever thought you'd make, more than you've ever had in your life, uh, now just do whatever with it? Yeah, so coming from the college scene, especially from a smaller school like I did where it was more of a basketball school than a football school, I may have got offered a free ice cream cone once. I think the statute of limitations is okay, so I think we're okay on that. <coughs> Shout out to Dairy Queen. Uh, NCAA is uh, <laughs> right now researching Whoop. the Odell Beckham Jr. handing cash <laughs> yeah. to LSU National Champs problem. Well, and, and by the way, Shout out to Otto Beckham Jr. for ruining Because now listen, if I ever go watch the Murray State in FCS championship game, because they're going to go one day, you're going to make me look so bad when I'm handing out ESPN 690 stickers and hats instead of handing out thousands and thousands of dollars to those players. But anyways, he also just put LSU on probation, I probably. digress, yes, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so when we're talking about you know coming from college, I mean, the, the, the first thing, which is like kind of the biggest crash course, is the rookie symposium. And when we had Cecil Shorts on, we kind of talked about this a little bit, where the Rookie Symposium was set up to kind of educate players, obviously, of being smart with your money, um, you know, whether it's stuff on the field or off the field, but it's just taking care of your finances along with a bunch of other things, right? It's, it's basically getting you ready for the NFL. 
The problem with the rookie symposium, though, is that I'll be honest with you, I didn't learn anything at the rookie symposium. I think everybody in, in my rookie class can say the same thing. And I, let me start by saying this, too. Shout out to Bahati Van Pelt. You, you remember Van? Used to work in yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, dude, so yeah, he's, a, he's he's an awesome guy, and he always preached that he wanted guys to be themselves, right? So the rookie symposium is a classic event where teams will have to wear like you know like the the, the, the same shorts, the same shirts, so like they're like uniform team, right? Well, Van's like, listen, we're not gonna wear like baseball jerseys with our names in the back of them, like as a team. Just wear whatever you want to wear. <laughs> wear a tall tee if you want. Wear some gym shorts if you want. Like, I don't care. So we're literally the only team at this symposium that didn't have a uniform look together. And, like, I always thought that was really cool of Van because, listen, we're here to learn. We're not here to look, you know, like the Brady Bunch. So that was really cool on Van's part. But, anyways, getting back to the symposium. Listen, it's one thing to sit back and take notes, Brent, about, okay, Here's what you do. You, you have to put, you know, so and so, uh, so much amount in your 401k. You have to worry about your pension. This and this and this. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you know what? That, that's a fantastic TED talk that you can put on YouTube and players could learn from. But guess what? You're giving us all this speech and you're telling us what to do with our money. Meanwhile, I just went through OTAs with Joe Cohen, and I'm trying to survive, dude. I'm like, whoa, wait a second. This isn't Murray State anymore. NFL's a little crazier, man. Coaches have no problem cussing you out now. Uh, coaches have no problem calling you out. And you want me to talk about my 401K? You want me to talk about how I'm going to save money? No, man. I'm just trying to make the team because that's the mindset that I had. That's, that's a mindset a lot of uh, you know those first-year guys have where it's like, I'm just trying to survive, okay? I, I don't care about the money. I don't care about where the funds are supposed to go with my agent, what percentage I should pay him. I don't care about any of that. This is, literally, this is literally my first year in the NFL, and I just want to make the team. I want to make the final roster. So the symposium from that standpoint, to me, it's kind of set up for failure because you have guys there that are just trying to make a job, man, and you're trying to drop this crash course about what to do with money when they're just trying to make make a job, they're just trying to get adjusted and get acquainted, and no one's taking them by the hand and saying, this is what you do, this is what you do. Everyone's telling them, all right, well, don't spend your money here, don't spend your money here. So that was my kind of my first shindig with the symposium. Now, maybe it's changed, Brent, maybe it hasn't, but I, I, I learned nothing from the symposium. So much so, so much so that... When I finally, you know, when I when I made the team and I got my signing bonus and everything, first of all, that they cut the check, which was a, it's a nice looking check, and I think I told the story where I put it in my pocket and went through the airport with it, and then went back home to Wisconsin. Thought I lost it for a second. Thank God I didn't. But the, the very first thing that I bought, well, uh, first of all, the first thing I bought was a pair of shoes, Vans, obviously. But the second thing that I bought, and this is kind of my first advice to any rookies out there willing to spend your money. I always wanted a Cadillac Escalade truck, all right? I even wrote a story about it in seventh grade. It was one of my research papers I had to do of why I think the Cadillac Escalade truck is the greatest vehicle of all time. Instead of studying back in high school um, of, like, you know, my homework, I was busy on, you know, Cadillac.com trying to customize my own EXT. <laughs> so by the time I got that paycheck, that was the first thing I bought. Well, then, of course, what comes after that? Well, you know, I'm driving around Jacksonville feeling like a big shot. Oh, what's this? They have 26-inch rims. I better get me some of those. So now, obviously, I have to go buy, you know, some 26-inch rims because that's what everyone else is doing, right? I'm trying to reach the, the status quo right now. So I go buy these 26-inch rims. Obviously, they're black. It was black on black. The thing looked really sweet. Black tinted <laughs> windows. You couldn't go wrong. But what do I do? Literally a week with having these 26-inch rims. 
I go through the Arby's parking lot on Southside, and if you've been on the Arby's parking lot on Southside, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I go through the drive-thru, the curb comes out of nowhere, and I hear the biggest scrape ever, and one of my rims got dented, and guess what? I had to replace two rims then, and that's another extra couple hundred, a couple extra K right there down the drain. Because it was my thing, like, yeah, I wanted the Escalade truck, and that could have been cool. But I also want to keep up with the Joneses, right? Because right. my teammates had the rims, right? My, my, my teammates had these glamorous vehicles. And listen, if you want to take advice from somebody, sometimes Jeremy Mincy's not the best guy to take advice from, okay? <laughs> but he, he had it to a T on this one. Jeremy Mincy drove around in a Chrysler Sebring his entire NFL career. Now, he was chastised. He was made fun of on a daily basis for driving around in a Chrysler Sebring. But you know what? The dude had it figured out. He's like, just a car, man. And then as long as it gets you from point A to point B, I don't care. And I remember him saying that. I'm like, all right, all right, clown. But now looking back on it, because I don't have my truck anymore, because I'm, I'm a family man now. My son can't even fit in that truck when I used to have it. Looking back on it now, he was right. So to me, the biggest form of advice I could have, and obviously Luke Keekley is going to be well off. He's made like, what, $30 million, I believe, 60, or, or $60 like million. Or Yeah, is you cannot fall in love with a lifestyle that you can't afford. And I think a lot of NFL players fall into that trap. They try to keep up with the Joneses and things like that. And listen, it's not, it's, I'm not saying don't spend some of your money and enjoy yourself. No, because guess what? You've earned that money, so go ahead and do that. But you've got to be smart with it. And one more point before we cut the break here, which is really important, that players have to hear. When I, when I, when I got drafted, when I got signed, I heard from on Facebook about from six or seven different cousins that I've never talked to in my entire life. Yeah, yeah. And then they tried reaching out and said, hey, man, well, I'm really proud of you. You know, so we haven't really kept in touch and stuff, but I kind of got some school stuff going on. Can you help me out a little bit? And my mom passed this word of advice on to me, and I want to pass it on to any NFL player that's listening right now. My mom told me that, listen, I'm going to be fine regardless of how much money you make. Because when you were born, I didn't sign a contract that said that you had to take care of me when I got older. And when you were born, you didn't have to sign a contract that said you have to take care of your cousins, uh, your uncles, your aunts. You never signed that contract. You take care of yourself. You earn that money. You spend it how you see fit, but you worry about yourself and then get through. And, th- and that's my biggest piece of advice, and I get it. Everyone comes from different upbringings. Sometimes it's a necessity, but I'm just saying, when, when you were born, if you're an NFL player, you never signed a contract that had to say you had to take care of somebody. Yeah, it's good advice from a lot of different uh, NFL players, yourself sure. included, and, and Calais Campbell has made a bunch of money, and, yeah. and a lot of other players around the league. It's fascinating. Uh, one final thought on that, plus... Where are you spending your money? Will it be at TIAA Bank Field in 2020 yeah. and beyond? That's next, ESPN 690. Watch out for the Arby's parking lot. <laughs> it can score uh, from any part of the field. <clears throat> you know, they have roles and they have guys that they like to do certain things. You know, I think the thing that I appreciate the most about watching Andy and, and their offensive players is that I know what the diagram in the book looks like. A lot of those routes and plays don't really look like those diagrams. That's Mike Vrabel who's done a fantastic job coaching the Tennessee Titans. you got to give it to them. Uh, they are in position to go to the Super Bowl if they can beat the Chiefs on the road on Sunday. That game on uh, CBS 47, by the way, and it uh, should be a good football game. I, I, we're going to talk about those games a little bit more tomorrow on Friday. Yeah, I'm looking forward I, to it. Uh, you know me. I still think Kansas City, <laughs> and I don't. Uh, can they come up with one more unbelievable coaching job? I mean, yeah. if, you, if you think about what Vrabel could potentially do, beat Belichick, John Harbaugh, two Super Bowl winning coaches, Andy, Andy Reid, who, I mean, I don't know, do we consider him a Hall of Fame coach? 
I mean, he honestly, have I think that Super Bowl. he doesn't have the Super Bowl, man. But I, I would, I would think, personally, you know, absolutely. Uh, it feels like, or he's on the cusp. Yeah. Now well, it's hard to how do how many it without championships Super Bowls. Does he play? It is, but he's played in a lot of championships. Now. So, just think about that. If yep. Rabel, with this football team, were to beat. Kansas City on top of what they've already done. Sure. Holy cats, man. Well, uh, I'm going to say this, and obviously we can break it down more on Thursday and Friday, but I, I kind of diagnosed a little bit with the genius that Vrabel brought to the Baltimore Ravens game and how he kind of shut down Lamar Jackson a little bit and shut down the middle of the field and dared the Ravens to beat him on the outside. You're about to see if Vrabel really is a defensive-minded genius because you can't do that same philosophy with what you had in Baltimore with Kansas City. Because Kansas City, they don't focus on you know the middle of the field or the outside of the field. Kansas City, you have to focus on their weapons. You have to focus on Tyreek Hill. You have to focus on Travis Kelsey. You have to focus on Williams in the backfield. You have to focus on Sammy Watkins. And obviously you have to focus on Patrick Mahomes. So you have to have a completely different game plan. And maybe we can talk about that a little more tomorrow, like I said, on Friday. How can you go about stopping the Kansas City Chiefs? But it's going to be really a night and day game plan, I think, at least, from the Tennessee Titans, especially on defense. Yeah, it'll be uh, pretty interesting uh, to see how it all shakes out. Hey, we were talking money uh, a little yeah. bit earlier and players and, and the, the, the advice from some older players. And so many athletes get in trouble with their dollars. And you yep. can see, what do you do with it? You know, do you get bad advice, good advice? Uh, you know, I, I think even there's things I say every day, like even at, the, at my age now, you know, we go through. You go through some things that you're like, "What is this? What does this even mean? Like, sure. what do you do with this this money? Or what should I do with this money? Or, or what do I invest in? Or whatever it is. You know, all these different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and, and I'm not sure. Uh, one, I think it goes back to school. I think in high school and college, I think there should be more of these kind of classes. Yeah. I really do. Those are called life classes. Mm-hmm. I, I think most of us rely on a family member. Um, right now to tell us that kind of stuff. Correct. Because even if you have close friends, close friends and talking about your money is not usual uh, a hand-in-hand Some kind of thing. Some dude's going to Vegas or what? Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it can uh, be problems. It, 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 everybody's always a little bit like, I don't want to talk about my money. You know, yeah, I don't want to tell. You know, the one thing about athletes personal. is you know how much money they're making. Sure. That's a little different. Yeah. So that breaks down that barrier at least. Yeah, yeah. But all these things, I think everyday life, People, if you have twenty thousand dollars or two million dollars, what to do with your money is is a question, yeah. and sometimes a, a dead end road for yeah. a lot of people. So, I think it's a fascinating conversation for an athlete who's twenty one, twenty two years old. Many pe- obviously, very few have even touched that kind of money before, yeah. uh, or ever dreamt about that kind of money in their bank account. And then, what do you do with it? So, I think the advice from some of the older the veterans, hearing it from players seems a little bit better than hearing it from teams or rookie symposiums or maybe even it an does. agent. Because, you know, even that financial advisor, he's a, you trust him, but do you really trust him because you've heard some of the bad stories? It's a fascinating topic to yeah. me and one that uh, has good stories to tell and, and bad stories to tell over time. Without a doubt, Brent. You know, and at the end of the day, like I talked about earlier in the show when I was talking about, you know, going to the Seahawks and things and playing for the Bears – Every single locker room, they have different personalities, and they have different beliefs of, I guess, what money really means. And, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say, well, you know what? Save your guys' money. You know, you should save your money. Obviously, you should invest it, invest it wisely, and plan for the future. 
That's great, but you know what? Thankfully, I came from some pretty good backgrounds and some pretty good upbringings where they instilled those values in me. You know, there, there's some guys who, who've come from rough parts of the neighborhood who want to live that lavish lifestyle a little bit, who, who want to experience a taste of the good life, and I'm not going to try to stop you from doing that because I can't relate to where you came from, okay? Well, the only thing I can do is just share my life experience. And it's funny because as you were opening up with the statement, Brett, it reminded me of a quick story with Zach Miller. My boy Zach Miller from the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I played with him on the Chicago. Chicago Bears, and I had this thing on Twitter when I played in Chicago of what animal is Zach Miller wearing on his feet this week? Because <laughs> because for for every single away game, uh, the cool thing with Mark Tressman was he's pretty casual about what we had to wear for away games, especially in the preseason. So you know me, dude. I had my old Navy polo shirt, man. I, I had my tapered jeans a little bit. I was still looking good, man. I remember I got some compliments, but I wasn't like killing the game, right? Well, every single away game, Zach Miller comes rocking some gator skin, some pipe skin, some ostrich, I think it was, dude, like all these exotic animals. I remember asking him, like, dude, how much do those boots cost? <laughs> and he would t- and he'd tell me the same thing every single time. He's like, Lane, don't worry about it. You know why? I'm like, why is that? He's like, because I-, I-, I can't be buried with my money now, can I? I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I just can't be buried with it. You could probably pass it down. But okay, hey, to, to each their own, man. You do your thing. So, you know, everyone, like I said, they, they have their different philosophies, what they want to spend money on. But I think... Um, any NFL player would come with me on this one. This is kind of my last point of, of, of my TED Talk, I guess you would say, of you know what, what, what's a smart way to save your money and invest your money and all this stuff. And, and, and to me, this was the only piece of advice that my agent ever gave me regarding financial stuff. He goes, Austin, you can do whatever you want to do with your money. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to tell you to do this. And it's what they tell you to do sometimes, and a lot of players don't ever listen because they want to live in the now. They don't want to plan for the future, and that's investing in their 401k. The, 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 the 401k, to me, is the greatest thing about the NFL, period. Because what the, the 401k does in investing in the NFL is the, they match it two to one. The, so say you put $10,000 in, the NFLPA will match $10,000 of that. So it's a two to one thing. So essentially what you're doing is if you don't invest in your 401k, you're literally throwing no money limit. down the drain. No limit. Wow. So there you Well, I'm sorry. So the, the, there's a limit for the well, season, obviously. Limit, of course, yeah, how much you yeah, put yeah, for in. the season. But... but you know, a lot yeah. of places will match like half of a certain percent. No, or it's something like that. It's that's a one to one match. One to one match. Uh, that's, that's all I'm gonna uh, say. Yep. Listen, that's that's the one. Uh, not that we're like in uh, economics here. Sure. But that is actually the one piece of advice that I got somewhere along like some assembly in junior high school or something, and yeah. I saw this chart and it was like, if you're 22 years old and you put this fifty dollars in yeah. as 401k, by the time you're 65, it will look like this, and it was like one of those like bar graphs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> that. Like, that looks like a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And so ever since, like, I have had a chance to put money into a 401k, I've always done it ever since I was, yeah. you know, got it working and, and yeah. had an opportunity. So that'd be the one thing I would say to anybody. And you don't, especially when you're just getting out of college and whatever you're making, yeah. you don't even know what they take well, it out of your check. Dude, so it's like if, if I give, if we give you one advice, it's hard to give advice from an athlete standpoint because we're not all athletes. Sure. But we've all made. $20,000 before. Well, and so if you make $20,000, if you got a 401k chance, put some in the yeah. 401k. That's the simplest advice anybody could ever give you, especially if that company's matching with free money. Exactly. And 
one more quick story here that we can move on. I mentioned the 401k. So Brent, so 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 so. By the so, way, we've heard some off-air stories. Oh, dude. Too. Well, this, this one's gonna be a crazy one, and hopefully my wife's not listening to this one. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, so you know me, Brent. You know I'm, I'm pretty casual in terms of style. Like, I, I don't try to dress to the nines. Usually, I'm pretty just lackadaisical. And I hung out with some NFL players. You know, whether it's Blaine Cabert or you know somebody like that who you know they, they like to dress up a little bit and they, they, they can flaunt it, and that's perfect. I mean. By all means, do your thing. And I'll never forget, we were at, and this happened a couple times on occasion at the beach bars, and, you know, girls would come up to you and be like, hey, how much money do you make? I'm like, that's not a really important question. And they'd be like, what kind of what kind of car do you drive? And, you know, I mean, some players got Bentleys. Um, some players got Aston Martins, Scobie. I mean, I had, a, I had an Escalade truck, so it's whatever. I'm like, eh, it's got an Escalade truck. They're like, oh, kind of disappointed. Like, you know, I don't have a Lamborghini or something. And I would always say the same thing. I'm like, yeah, it may not be that legit of a truck, but I got a pretty sweet 401k, so there you go. And, and, and that's always how I kind of close the deal. Now, did I get any girls with that? Absolutely not. But 10, 10 years or 20 years down the line, they're missing out. That's all I'm going to say. But but thankfully, I'm happily married now, so we're good. Uh, the, I'd love to know more stories. Well, uh, there's, there's a lot I can't tell on the air, but uh, yeah, next time we're sharing a beer, I'll tell you some. Uh, that sounds good. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll certainly do that. Here's a good place to uh, have a beer and some pizza right here at Rennes Pizza, Neptune Beach. Uh, come on out, say hello, uh, get some pizza, make it a stop. Uh, along the way, five different locations in town. We are at the Neptune Beach location, and uh, we'll have a little party pizza that we want to tell you about. Coming up on Friday, our one-year anniversary, we're going to show you a little bit of it because we're going to have it out there at our one-year celebration in our live studio audience uh, for the folks to eat. And we are also going to give away a party pizza package uh, come the Super Bowl week that we're going to have some fun with. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we got you set for your, your uh, pizza party and your Super Bowl party. Uh, all courtesy of Rennes coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll be live in Miami for Super Bowl 54. All right, man, listen, the story the last couple of days, and we talked about it for two hours yesterday, a little bit more today, has been the Jaguars and, and Lamping. And it got me thinking about this. And, and everybody, I think from social media to here on the radio, and, and we've talked about it. I think people have uh, commented about it. They're not happy. Sure. They're not happy from a d- couple of different standpoints. One, uh, th- there's two things that really got to the, the folks, the Jags fans, in my view, and, and you can let me know, uh, folks, listen, if I'm wrong on this, but one is the idea of two games and taking another one away, yep. two home games. Mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, I, I fully understand it. Uh, that's not surprising that that ruffles people's feathers. I think the other one is Lamping saying uh, in that Jacksville.com article yesterday that winning won't cure all. Mm-hmm. And we debated that yesterday. We said, wait a minute now. We saw 2017. Yeah. And, uh, again, I gave you the backstory of the New England Patriots who did nothing and nobody was going to games and it was a miserable experience. And then they built the stadium, they built Patriots' place, but the one thing they did on top of all that was win football games and all of this came to a head and look where it's led them, you know? Sure. They're, they've sold out games for now a decade. Uh, and, yes, Tom Brady is a big reason why not everybody's going to have a Tom Brady. But winning games does matter, feeling good. Again, what 2017 was here, why I continually remind people of 2017 and say, don't forget that. That was an unbelievable year. We need more of them, but don't forget it. Because I know when my kids went to school, everybody was wearing Jag stuff. You know, around elementary schools, they were singing Jag songs. You know, they were shouting Duval. 
There all these things happened because of 2017 that, quite frankly, I hadn't seen in my dozen years here in Jacksonville because it's the only winning season. So winning does matter. We disagree with Lamping on that front from, from the way that came off uh, in that one comment. But it got me thinking to this. Shotgun does not speak very often. One of the, the, the knocks against Tom Coughlin was he didn't speak very often. Sure. Whether it was trading Jalen Ramsey, what's going on with Doug Marone. When he did speak, it wasn't it wasn't revealing mm-hmm. of nature. In fact, it got criticized. And I guess that's my point. Mark Lamping speaks, and, and there's this article written about him. Shad Khan speaks in London, and he says what he said about the viability, if you will, yeah. in Jacksonville. Tom Coughlin, when he did speak, even though people were waiting and wanted him and begging for him to say something about the losing ways, the Yannick situation, the Jalen Ramsey situation, he got ripped for it. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason why they don't talk a lot? Because every time they do talk, especially when you lose football games, nothing sounds good. You know what I mean? It's it like a no-win situation for, for these guys in a sense because everything they say sounds bad. Well, th- that's the point, though, Brent, whereas if everything you say is, sounds bad, like, for instance, if you're going to try to talk people in the, around Jacksonville to have two home games in London and that sounds bad, well, maybe because it is bad. You know, now maybe you can come out if you're Shad Khan, if you're Mark Lamping, you can kind of embellish a little more and say, well, yes, we're having two games in London, and here's exactly why we're doing it. Here's exactly why we're doing this, and, and come with us for a little bit and bear with us. Maybe that could help a little bit, but at the end of the day, the, the fact that you're not hearing anything and all we have to go off of is just these little sound bites here, here, and here, to me, that's frustrating, Brent. Okay, yeah. and, and listen, and, I, and I've been very adamant about this. Like, yes, from the from the fans' perspective, obviously it would suck. I think to have two home games in London. I'm upset from the perspective where you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. You know, where this is supposed to be about winning Super Bowls. When Shad Khan introduced himself to the team, his first quote was, "We're going to bring a Super Bowl here to Jacksonville," and, and, I, and I, I'm taking him at his word on that. I think he was genuinely. You know, his top priority at the time was to bring a Super Bowl to Jacksonville. And now when deals like this start to happen, when these rumors start to speculate, well, there's going to be two home games in London. Well, now you're putting your team out of disservice because now you're playing two games that are supposed to be at home at a neutral site as far as I'm concerned. Sure, you, you can go out and play your home music and you can try to make it a home atmosphere. Yeah, but let's be honest. Money. Yeah, you can make home <laughs> money, but let's be honest, Brent, you've been to those games. Yeah. It's a neutral site, yeah. okay? And if you sacrifice two home games for two neutral site games, that is a disadvantage, okay? And I, I, I'm not cool with it from my perspective because it doesn't give you the best chance of winning football. And at the end of the day, that's what it's supposed to be about. I understand you got to make money. Well, guess what? You're in the NFL business, all right? The NFL business, business is booming right now. I think people are just upset from the standpoint of, number one, they're afraid they're going to lose their team a little bit, and more for the reason for me being upset where I want to see them do well, I want to see them succeed, and having another game in London doesn't co-sign on that. Yeah, yeah, and I get it. I think that's the best thing you have said, and I think it's a great question and unanswerable, really, is how does this help you win? And London now is proving to be a place where it certainly isn't an advantage. No, it isn't. I mean, those days are gone. Teams are hip to the game. The Jags won three games over there in a row, and so then everybody started to say, "Oh, I think this could be an advantage." They've been over there. I mean, come on, it's not an advantage. The best team usually ends up winning anyway, uh, or it's the NFL, and maybe you get a break here or there, and then the other team wins. But it's not a home field advantage. It's not an advantage of any kind. Uh, And the spin on it, if they'll do two games, would be that second game might be an advantage because there's no travel involved. 
if they do it back-to-back weeks. But I, yeah. I don't buy that's an advantage. So, therefore, I think your point of how does this help us win a Super Bowl? How does this help us win? I always say the formula of winning is when your division games go four and two, correct, and and go six and two, or at least five and three, but probably six and two at home. Yeah. Well, if you're really playing one of those home games on a neutral site, well, that even takes away that formula yeah. uh, that I talk about. So, I I think that's a great question. I think when you when you break it all down. I think there are two separate businesses. One's on the field. I think Mark Lamping's trying to make something from a business side work mm-hmm. without having results consistently enough to, to rely on on the football side. But the football side to win more and to help all the other stuff, how does this give you an advantage? I think that's a question that needs to be answered down the road at some point with some sort of satisfaction, not only to the fans, yeah. not only to the players, but to the coaches and everybody else well, trying to win in that building and their jobs are on the Thank line. Thank you very much, because at the end of the day, if you can't give me one reason why it's an advantage to play two home games in London, and you can't tell me why it's beneficial, then what kind of message are you sending to your fans? What kind of message are you sending to the media? But most importantly, what kind of message are you sending to the coaches and players in that locker room and possible free agents coming forward? Yeah, because it's already been hard enough to win anywhere for Jacksonville yeah. uh, over the last uh, dozen years or so. Hey, uh, thanks to Rennes Pizza here at Neptune Beach for having us out. Uh, Going to take a pie to go and back to the TV station for the guys. Uh, check us out on the TV side, CBS 47 and Fox 30 uh, later on tonight. For Austin Lane, Stuart Weber for checking in as well. I'm Brett Morton. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, do it again tomorrow, 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. on ESPN 690. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.